It's your it's radio. Your radio. The, future the future of radio. Of radio. Welcome to the Royal Ramble Podcast on this Saturday, February 11th, 2017, here on itsyourradio.com. I am your host, Brian Sendak. Joining me, as always, is the co-host, Ryan Martorano. Ryan, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Brian. I'm doing pretty good. How about you? Doing pretty good myself. Uh, I know it's been a while since we've last been on the air, everybody, because we've had to make a couple of big changes to the show, and in a matter of moments, we're going to reveal those changes with our show. Uh, But we do have a big show for you guys today, two-hour edition for the Royal Ramble. We have a lot to talk about. Of course, we got to recap what went on throughout the week in professional wrestling. We got to recap Raw, recap SmackDown, NXT, and also recap the two big shows of the new beginning tour for New Japan Pro Wrestling, the show in Sapporo, and this morning, the show in Osaka, Japan. So we've got to recap all of that. And we also got to preview and predict two big events which are taking place this weekend. Beginning tonight, UFC 208 uh, should be a big show, of course. Um, we are crowning a first ever champion tonight. The first ever women's bantamweight, uh, excuse me, women's featherweight championship is on the line tonight. Holly Holm versus Jermaine Durandamy. Also, Anderson Silva will be fighting tonight. So, we're going to preview, predict that. And we're also going to preview and predict the Elimination Chamber pay per view, which takes place tomorrow. The final pay per view of the SmackDown brand as we are inching closer to WrestleMania. So, we'll do that in the second hour of the show. But let's talk about the big changes to the show, everybody. Uh, yes, we have made some changes to the show, uh, social media, and where you can listen to our show. Of course, you can listen to us here live on itsyourradio.com. But also, if you guys do miss us, you can't catch us live. You can subscribe to us on both iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. That is a new thing we are doing. We're, we made it to iTunes. We made it to Stitcher and Google Play. So, like I said, if you guys can't listen to us live... Go there, type in Royal Ramble. You can see us there on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And on social media as well, you can follow us now on Instagram at Royal Ramble Wrestling. And you can also like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Royal Ramble Wrestling. And of course, you guys can follow us on Twitter at Royal Ramble IYR. And follow me and Ryan personally for me. B underscore Sendek95. And for Ryan, that's Ryan underscore Martirano. Great to be on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, so hopefully you guys can subscribe to us and listen to us weekly. Uh, we are also moving the show, everybody, now to Thursdays. I know we're right now recording on Saturday, but because of the, the bad snowstorm, we weren't, we weren't able to to, uh, to record a show either Thursday or yesterday. But for now on, every Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on itsyourradio.com, you can listen to us live. But like I said before, if you can't, Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. So that is good things for us, everybody. And don't forget, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and on Twitter. But let's get right into what's going on today 
in the world of professional wrestling, and we'll start things off with some New Japan Pro Wrestling talk. As for the past week, they've held two major shows for their company called New Beginning. Uh, one big show taking place in Sapporo. The other one this morning took place in Osaka, Japan. Now, I didn't get the chance to watch all show both of those shows. The only match I did see was the big match between the two shows, and that was the IWGP Heavyweight Championship Battle uh, between the champion uh, Kazuchika Okada and uh, Minoru Suzuki. Of course, the whole story started after the uh, the night after Wrestle Kingdom 11. Uh, Suzuki Gun made their long-awaited return, and Minoru Suzuki made his presence felt, attacking Okada and proclaiming himself now as the new number one contender for the IWGP um, Heavyweight Championship. And uh, their match took place, I believe it was a little bit over a week ago, maybe exactly today was the match, I'm not exactly sure, but uh, I, I got the chance to watch the match on YouTube. Uh, I gotta say, man, that was an intense matchup between those two guys right there. Uh, I, this is one of my first times watching Suzuki. I have not watched a lot of him. I've heard about him. I, I, I've heard how good he really was. I just didn't get the chance to see a lot of him for the past couple of years watching New Japan Pro Wrestling. But, you know, getting my first glimpse of Suzuki, I was very impressed for a number of reasons. Number one, because the stuff that this guy does in the ring, the, the way he moves so well in the ring, at, in the ring... At the age, I believe, of 48, I believe he's 48 years old, it's really, really uh, talented The performer is, is uh, Suzuki. And he really impressed me a lot with this match Yeah, with uh, Okada. And with Okada, I mean, there's no surprise on how great he was. I mean, I, I look at Okada as one of the absolute best performers in wrestling today. And what makes him so great and what makes him, you know, stand above the rest is that when the match goes on and it gets longer and you're more fatigued, the better Okada becomes. You know, with wrestlers these days, the more you get fatigued, the less you can do. A lot of wrestlers go through that. But with Okada, it's the opposite. It's when the match continues to roll on and, and roll on is where we get to see the best of Okada. And he again proved that in this match with Suzuki. He proved it, of course, against Omega in what may go down as the greatest match of all time. And both these guys delivered. It was a great match. Hopefully we can see a lot more of, out of the story between Okada and Suzuki because we all know pretty soon as we inch close to the spring and summer that Kenny Omega and the Bullet Club are going to be making their return. You know, Omega is going to resign with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, the Bullet Club was not seen throughout this tour. And they're going to be back very, very soon. And uh, then that's the big question right there is um, when are we going to see Omega and these guys uh, back in New Japan Pro Wrestling. But as for the match itself between Okada and Suzuki in Sapporo, Japan, it was a very fun match and a big congratulations to Okada as he is still your IWGP heavyweight champion. Yeah, it was a pretty good match. I mean, uh, you know, it's a lot different than, you know, of course, when you just mentioned Okada and Omega. Uh, a lot different style. Uh, you know, that match was a little bit more fast-paced. This one with Suzuki, a little bit slower, but it told a good story. You know, uh, Suzuki working on Okada's knee basically the entire match. Uh, just very slow. A lot of rest holds, a lot of submissions. Uh, like I said, different match, different style. Uh, you know, of course, different opponents for Okada each time. So, uh, you know, just like you, I haven't really seen any of Suzuki either. I mean, I uh, really didn't look him up too much. So this is my first time really watching him in a big-time match, and he definitely impressed me. 
Especially at his age, like you said. I mean, you know, this guy could still go at, at his age, and it's pretty impressive the things that he could still do. Um, overall, though, I thought that he should have won the match, though. I mean, the way the match went down, he basically had it in the bag numerous times. I mean, every single time he put Okada in a submission, I and mean, Okada just squirming to try and get out of it. And he did every single time. It was like he was some, like, heroic <clears throat> superhero. Like, you know, Cena has been uh, called in the past. He's, you know, Superman. He always, you know, endures the most pain throughout the whole entire match and then comes out and wins in the end. It's basically the same thing here that happened with Okada. I mean, he literally endured so much pain, and he still came out victorious in the end. Uh, so, you know, at this point, I don't know who is going to dethrone Okada. It's definitely going to be interesting, but this guy has held this belt for a long, long time now, and I think a lot of people wanted to see a new champion in Suzuki uh, just to make things interesting, you know, to see Suzuki Gun come in and win all the titles. I thought that could have been a very uh, intriguing scenario for New Japan, and that didn't happen as they didn't win any of the belts that night in this whole entire event. So uh, I'm not really sure where they go from here, but overall I thought it was a good match, like you said. Uh, went very, very long, but... That's typically what the main events of New Japan matches usually go. They usually go 40-plus minutes every single time. Uh, again, told a great story, though, and overall is a good match that I recommend people check out. Yeah, that's the part that I understand, you know, with this uh, entire event. So they brought back Suzuki Gun. They made a huge impact the night after Wrestle Kingdom 11. You know, they attacked Chaos. They made a statement, you know, bringing back Suzuki, bringing back the Killer Elite Squad, and that is Lance Archer and Davey Boy Smith Jr. Also, Takana Michinoku, Taiche. All these guys came back, made a statement, and you would think that the first event uh, that these guys, you know, come back to, that they are going to make another significant impact. Now... I didn't pick Suzuki to win the heavyweight championship. I did feel like Okada was going to retain the belt, but I was a little bit surprised that, you know, the Killer Elite Squad didn't become uh, the uh, IWGP Tag Team Champions. I was very surprised about that. Uh, Rapungi Vice retaining their, tag, uh, retaining their tag team belts over Taichi and Takamichi Noko was a little bit of a surprise to me. It wasn't a successful night for, for uh, Suzuki Gunn. Now, my question is, all right, you know, the New, new Beginning Tour is over with. Uh, we're going to see Bullet Club back very, very soon. Where does this leave Suzuki Gun? What are they going to do? You know, What's their role going to be now in New Japan Pro Wrestling? Are they still going to be involved in title matches? Or are they going to do something else? I mean, I don't know where these guys go from here, especially Suzuki. You know, Suzuki failed to win the championship. Is he going to get a rematch? Or what's he going to do next? Is he going to go after another championship like the IC title or the Never Openweight Championship? I don't know what the plan is now for Suzuki Gun, and that's why I was very, very surprised that none of those guys won title. I thought at least two or three of them could be champions by the end of the night, but that wasn't the case. Chaos was very successful throughout the night. They retained the junior uh, heavyweight tag team titles, the heavyweight tag team titles, and of course the big championship, and that is the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. So that was surprising to me, and now I'm very curious to see where New Japan goes on from here in terms of Suzuki Gun. Now, but back to you, Ryan, with the uh, who is going to take the bell for Kata. I mean, to me, again, the, the answer is very simple. It's got to be Kenny Omega. I mean, look, we don't know when he's going to return. We all know he is going back to New Japan. He's made it clear already that he's not going anywhere else. He's signing with New Japan. I think he was supposed to sign his contract this past week. I'm not sure if, if it was official yet, but... At some time, he's going to be back pretty soon, you know, with the Unbox, with Cody Rhodes, with everybody else that is involved with Bullet Club. They will be back pretty soon. 
And I just think if there's anybody that deserves to take that belt off of Okada, it is Kenny Omega. He proved his worth in the match with Okada at Wrestle Kingdom that this guy can A, beat Okada, and B, be the face of your of your company and be the heavyweight champion. I don't see why they want to give this guy the belt. He's earned it. You know, he's so, so close to a complete career in New Japan. He wins that championship. He will have a complete career in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And before he does leave for the WWE, because it will happen one day, there's no denying that this guy will be in WWE one day. If you're Gato, you want to reward this guy with the championship so you can give him what he's trying to, to accomplish, and that is a complete career in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And I do believe... When this upcoming tour comes up, you know, when, you know, New Japan starts traveling to Australia and they're also going to go to the West Coast and have some shows in Los Angeles, I think it's better served for advertisement-wise to have Omega as your champion. Not saying Okada wouldn't do good in terms of advertisements for shows in Los Angeles or Australia, but I just think people there have more of a, um, a a better relationship with Kenny Omega because he's a much bigger star in the United States because he's a former Ring of Honor wrestler. He, he's performed PWG before. He's more well-known in the States than Okada. So I think for that sake, he should be the champion. I'm not saying Omega should be a champion for a long time. But again, before this guy does leave for possibly the WWE, you got to give this guy the championship. you got to give him at least one run as one run as champion before eventually he does join the WWE, which could happen next year in 2018 when, again, his contract will be up with New Japan. I think if you're Omega, that could be a good time to join WWE. But again, when you think about the possible contenders for Okada's title and the right guy that should take the belt off of Okada, the answer is very easy. It should be Kenny Omega. And if I had to pick a place for Omega... To win the championship, it should be at Dominion, uh, another big event that New Japan holds over the summer. Maybe their second biggest event behind Wrestle Kingdom. I think that'll be the greatest place to, to give the belt to Omega. But you never know with New Japan. You know That's the thing with New Japan. You just never know what Gato's thinking. You don't know what the booking's going to be, what the direction these talents are going into. Which is good, of course, because you, know, you like unpredictability. You don't want to be too predictable. But still, you also want to make... you know moments that that feel right and make sense and i do believe giving omega the championship is a great moment for not just us hardcore fans but even some japan fans there's a lot of people in japan that love omega and they want to see this guy win the championship you know they're not all about okada they, they omega's really grown with the, the japanese crowd he's 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 gelled with the japanese fan base you know because he's been in japan for such a long time, whether it's wrestling for DDT or making the transition to New Japan, I believe back in 2014. So, uh, again, if there's anybody that should take that belt off of Okada, in my opinion, no better person to win that belt off of Okada than Kenny Omega. I mean, at, at this point, yeah, I mean, really, because somebody's got to throw in this guy eventually. And, I mean, I would assume it would happen sometime soon. I mean, this guy's held the belt now since Dominion of last year where he beat Naito, and he's held the belt ever since. And that was back in June of 2016. We're in February of 2017, and that is a long, long title reign. You know, a lot of people complain about the WWE title reigns nowadays. Uh, you know, look at this. I mean, New Japan just will not give it up with Okada. I mean, you know, again, I know he's one of the best talents to ever come out of Japan. He's ultimately the best right now in the world. Uh, but again, you know... 
people want to see something new here. Okada has always been their guy, but like you said, a lot of the New Japan fans have started latching on to Kenny Omega as of late, and I think they would love to see him win the championship and have a pretty decent reign. I think he deserves it too, especially after Wrestle Kingdom. So let's just hope that happens, you know. Uh, Kenny Omega is expected back at the Honor Rising shows with uh, Ring of Honor. It's February 26th and 27th, so later on this month, a couple of weeks away, uh, not too far off is when the Bullet Club returns to New Japan. And then Kenny Omega is in the New Japan Cup tourney uh, in March, which is a, a, another tournament that New Japan holds. And, you know, the winner, it guarantees you a title shot. So, I mean, again, I could definitely see Kenny Omega winning that tournament and going on to face o o Okada. Because if Suzuki didn't, do, didn't uh, you know, wasn't successful in winning the championship, I mean, at this point, it's got to be Omega taking the belt off him. I really don't see anybody else who could take that belt from him. So, again, let's just hope so, but uh, I guess only Tom will tell, but it's going to be good to see the, the Bullet Club back in the New Japan ring sooner rather than later. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we, we tend to forget now that we have not seen this group on New Japan Pro Wrestling Television ever since Wrestle Kingdom, basically. I mean, yeah, they were there the night after, but they were not seen at all throughout this tour. And, and we never see these guys throughout the tour. It's, it's been an ongoing situation where when they have this new beginning tour... It mostly involves New Japan superstars, you know, that are not foreigners, mostly Japanese stars. I mean, there were some exceptions, as we saw Will Ospreay, we saw Michael Elgin, but the Bullet Club has really not been booked for this tour ever since the the, the group started back in 2014 when uh, Prince David started it. And you know, no surprise here, but pretty soon, you know, when we get close to spring and summer. We're going to see this group, this group back in New Japan Pro Wrestling, and we got, I'm curious to see what their first action is going to be and where they go from here as Omega looks to, again, claim his spot as the top guy in New Japan. So that was for the Sapporo show, but this past morning, if you guys stayed up for it, at 3 a.m. Eastern Time, or of course if you subscribe to NewJapanWorld.com, you got the opportunity as well to see their other big show, New Beginning in Osaka, Japan. And this was a pretty big show. Uh, some big matches took place. Multiple titles were on the line. Starting things off, of course, with the British Championship. As Shibata, who, of course, won that belt back at Ref Pro, he took on Will Ospreay. Uh, did not see, of course, I didn't see any of these matches, so I'm not going to hear break down the matches. But Shibata knocked off Osprey, which I heard was a very solid match. Uh, uh, Osprey earned the respect from Shibata, one of the best talents in the world period, so that's a good sign right there. Uh, Three-way tag team match with the tag team titles, the heavyweight tag team belts, uh, Chaos, which are Tomohiro Ishii and Toru Yano, the champions, defeated Great Bash Heel and Suzuki Gun members Davey Boy Smith and Takashi Lazuka, no Lance Archer here. So, they're still the tag team champions. Uh, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship was on the line as well, as Hiromu Takahashi, the champion, defended the belt against his longtime nemesis, Dragon Lee. I can only imagine how great that match was because their prior two matches, the one down in Mexico was a classic, and their recent one back at All-Star Extravaganza and Ring of Honor was also a classic. So, I can assume that this match was just as good as those two. But Takahashi is still your... Junior Heavyweight Champion, and finally in the main event, the Intercontinental title was on the line. Tetsuya Naito, the champion, defended it against Michael Elgin. He won the match. 36 minutes, 17 seconds was the duration. I heard this was the best match of the night. To me, no surprise. I mean, Elgin and Naito 
are two of the absolute best workers in the world. And overall, when you look back at this show this past morning, it was the show for Los Ingonables de Japón. And I have to say this right now, man. If there's any faction that can leapfrog the Bullet Club as the best faction in wrestling today, it is LIJ. These guys are legitimate. I mean, just look at the group, man. You have Naito, the Intercontinental Champion, former heavyweight champion, one of the best workers, I think, in the entire world, and a guy that is coming off a tremendous 2016 year and is destined for bigger things in the near future. Uh, Hiromu Takahashi, your IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. This guy's made a tremendous transition coming back to Japan from Mexico. You know, being a part of this group, he's been tremendous. And also, Evil, Sonata, and Bushi, this past morning, they won the Never Openweight Six-Man Tating Champions. So, guess what? LIJ, every single member of the group, are holding the gold. And that is a statement right there that this group is legitimate. And you can make a case that this group might be the best faction in Japan. I still think it's Bullet Club because they have a ton of star power, whether it's the Young Bucks, whether it's Kenny Omega, whether it's Adam Cole, Cody Rhodes, the uh, Gorillas of Destiny. They are maybe a more star power faction. But in terms of overall success and popularity in Japan, LIJ could definitely rival Bullet Club. I mean, ever since this group came together and ever since Naito started making his you know, leap up to the top ranks of New Japan. This group has been red hot. Their t-shirt sales are going through the roof. And they may be considered a heel faction, but these people love these guys. So you can also call them as a face faction because whenever you hear these guys come out, the place pops. And, you know, again, I think their t-shirt sales are selling a lot more than Bullet Club and Chaos. So it just shows you that, you know, this group is working out. They're getting stronger every single time they're on television. And now they're holding all the gold. Naito, IC champion. Takahashi, junior heavyweight champion. And now the other members of the group, Evil, Sonata, and Bushi, are the six-man tag team champions. Just shows you how damn talented this group is. And I expect to see a lot more bigger things for this group. Not just this year, but for years to come. So, overall, though, a new beginning tour looks pretty successful. Where does New Japan go from here? We'll see what happens. Again, we'll be looking forward to seeing what the Bull Club is going to do next when they make their return. But overall, man, New Beginning Tour looked like it was a major success yet again for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah, I actually didn't get to check out this morning's show either. Uh, I usually try and stay up for any New Japan show that I possibly can. I stayed up for the one last week in Sapporo, but had work early this morning, so... Could not watch the one this morning, but definitely going to watch that as soon as I get a chance. I mean, um, heard nothing but great things about Shibata versus Osprey. And saw a couple of little video clips on Twitter of the match, and uh, man, it looks insane. And, you know, I really didn't expect anything different. So I didn't really expect anything different in the result either. Uh, you know, I think it was the right decision having Shibata, uh, you know, keep the belt. And again you know will osprey gets the respect of him that's that's pretty big like you said so uh that is definitely something i'm definitely going to be looking forward to watching uh as soon as i can and then yeah like you said man lij is taking over and it's nice to see i mean they had all the gold coming out of wrestle kingdom and then uh you know the following night at new year's dash uh evil bushi and sonata lost the open a uh, never open weight six-man tag team championships and I just didn't understand the move because I was looking forward to LIJ having all the gold and becoming even bigger than they already are. I mean, they're they're already a pretty popular faction in, in New Japan. I mean, you watch a New Japan show, you see nothing but LIJ shirts and hats. I mean, everybody loves them. 
Uh, they get a kick out of Naito, you know, whenever he just chucks the Intercontinental belt, he just, like, disrespects it. People love it. It's great. And, uh, you know, he's he's the perfect leader for an awesome faction like that. So it's nice to see, you know, because the Bullet Club is kind of taking a little backseat. I mean, we all love the Bullet Club still, but they're obviously not as strong as they once were. Uh, so it's nice to see other factions step up to the plate, such as, you know, Los Angobernables and... Uh, you know, again, they're taking over. Like you said, they now have all the championships, and I hope they hold on to them for a pretty decent amount of time because I'd like to see them basically run run through everybody. I mean, similar to what I thought Suzuki Gun was going to do. So uh, to me, it's intriguing stuff. So I'd like to see Naito hold on to that belt for as long as he possibly can and uh, the rest of LIJ as well. So, yeah, I mean, overall, it seems like a great show this morning and overall a great uh, new beginning tour. And now we move on to Honor Rising, like I said, in a couple of weeks, and then the New Japan Cup. And uh, things should get interesting from here on out for New Japan. So I'm looking forward to it as the weeks go on and, and uh, as the months go on. Yeah, absolutely. So, again, we'll see where New Japan goes from here. Let's now shift the focus from New Japan to the WWE. Um, we got to talk about, of course, Raw at SmackDown and NXT. Uh, big weekend for SmackDown tomorrow night is the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. We'll, of course, uh, pre-even predict, pre predict that in the second hour. But let's talk about Raw first. Um this was a big raw because, you know, we wanted answers. You know, what was going to happen now with Seth Rollins out, out of action with injury, where they were going to go with the storyline. And, and the show kicked off, of course, with Samoa Joe coming out, signing his contract. Uh, first off, it was a good segment, I thought. Joe, right out of the gate, was treated like a major superstar. I mean, he comes out with the, uh, the suit and the tie. He signs his contract the way Stephanie is describing Samoa Joe. You know, for those people that don't watch NXT, they're not subscribed to the network. And for those people that, you know, don't know who Samoa Joe is, I thought, you know, Raw did the uh, WWE did the right way in handling this guy. First off, when he debuted, attacking Seth Rollins, taking out one of the top stars in the business and also aligning himself with one of the greats in Triple H. That's a big statement. But then this week alone, I mean, we saw Samoa Joe get on the microphone and spoke from the heart. And this guy, when he spoke, it felt real. He was intense. He was honest. And he basically made a statement telling everybody, hey, I'm here. And I'm going to take out everybody, you know, who gets in my way. And that's what you want to hear from Samoa Joe. You know, Samoa Joe is a tremendous talent. You know, he's been known, of course, for his great wrestling. But what people don't talk about a lot with Samoa Joe is his microphone skills. And he's always had good microphone skills. Whether it was in TNA, Ring of Honor, or here in the WWE, Samoa Joe has never really gotten the credit he deserved when it comes to talking promos, that's just me. Some other people think otherwise. They may they, they've been oh I've been always uh, a fan of Joe's talking, but you never really hear it these days. When we talk about charisma and we hear about some of the best mic workers, of course you hear about Chris Jericho, you hear about Kevin Owens, you hear about CM Punk when he was in WWE. Samoa Joe really never got the credit he deserved, and this guy, the more he gets on the microphone, the more he gets better. So he delivered a good promo. For the Roman Reigns situation, I mean, it is what it is. I wasn't thrilled about him coming out, but it did set up a match, an intriguing match in the main event. You know, again, you know, it, it doesn't mean that Roman Reigns is starting a feud with Samoa Joe. I just felt it was a one-night thing. Hopefully, it is a one-night thing. Hopefully, Roman Reigns doesn't get involved with this whole Samoa Joe storyline, which I don't see happening. But it is what it is. Um, it did set up the main event match, which was a very good match. Um... I did like at the very end that uh, Strowman getting involved was the right move. Uh, they're going to face each other at Fastlane, so you want to continue to build up that feud. And Strowman getting involved in the match was the right way to go. I mean, people were not thrilled that Joe won dirty, but people, it's a WWE. 
when do heels ever win matches clean? It just doesn't happen. You may be um, disheartened about it. You may disagree with it. I disagree with it, but it's the WWE logic. You know, heels don't win cleanly these days. So it's either that you accept it or you just don't pay attention to it anymore. So not shocked with the uh, the decision. A lot of people thought Roman was winning that match. There was no way that that Samoa Joe on his first main roster match that he was going to lose. All right, If they had Joe lose to Roman Reigns, it would have looked very, very bad for Samoa Joe because people are going to be there like, oh, how can we take this guy seriously when he loses on his debut match against Roman Reigns, the guy we all hate? It just wasn't going to happen. I thought they did it the right way. It doesn't hurt Roman Reigns. You know, he got screwed out of it. You know, they're protecting Roman Reigns. And they're setting up the match between him and Braun Strowman at Fastlane. Is it the best way to set up the match? I don't think so. They could do something better than this. But it's going to be an intriguing matchup. But overall, Samoa Joe's first major night on Monday Night Raw to me was a success. He cut a great promo to kick off the show. Uh, and, he, and he delivered a very solid match with uh, Roman Reigns, and he did win the match. And we'll see where they go from here when it comes to Samoa Joe because of the Seth Rollins situation. For those of you that don't know or for you guys that do know, Seth Rollins is expected to still compete at WrestleMania. That is great news, of course, because we want to see Seth on the show. And we all want to see Seth versus Triple H. To me, out of all the matches that are rumored for this card, the one match that I am looking forward to the most is not Goldberg and Brock. Hell no. It's not going to be Roman Reigns versus whoever, maybe The Undertaker. I'm not looking forward to that match. It's it's Triple H and Seth Rollins because there's a real story there. It's been a story building up for months. You know, where Reigns and Taker, their story is that Reigns eliminated Taker, and now they're going to face each other at Mania. The Goldberg-Brock story has no meaning to me because even if Brock does win the match against Goldberg, Goldberg still has a one-up uh, is one up on Brock Lesnar. You know, he's still up two to one in their match series. So, out of all the matches at WrestleMania this year, possibly, uh, you know, Seth and Triple H has the most meaning because there is an actual story there. There's actual heat. There's an actual history. Not like some of the other matches. So, but overall, back to Samoa Joe. Great debut for him, and I'm looking forward to seeing where he goes from here. What's his impact going to be now? Is he going to feud with somebody else? Or will he still be involved somehow with this Triple H says storyline, and that is something that Raw and the WWE will have to figure out. Yeah, no, definitely. But, uh, you know, overall, like you said, I thought Samoa Joe's first night on Raw was a major success. I mean, how could you say it's not? I mean, opening up the show in a big segment with Stephanie McMahon and Mick Foley signing his contract, getting on the microphone, did not seem like he was nervous or anything. I mean, you got to remember, this is Samoa Joe's first time really performing uh, you know, in front of a crowd like this, you know, I know he was been in NXT for a while. Uh, he competed at NXT Takeover Brooklyn's and a bunch of other takeovers and stuff like that. But I feel like it's a little bit different than being live on the flagship show for WWE, and it's pretty surreal uh, seeing Samoa Joe on there. I mean, me, me and you, Brian, we've watched this guy for years in TNA, and it's pretty damn surreal to see him in the WWE coming out on Monday Night Raw. I mean, I literally every. Literally, when he's walking down that ramp, I just could not believe it. But ultimately, 
I mean, like I said, it was a huge success. You see Roman Reigns coming out, and of course, not a lot of people like that. A lot of people say, oh, you know, why does Roman always have to stick his big nose into everybody else's business and always jump in there and hog the spotlight, take it away from a guy who literally we're trying to spotlight Samoa Joe here, and it looks like Roman Reigns is just jumping in here for no reason. But that's huge right there. That's huge for Samoa Joe on his first night to get you know, an altercation with Roman Reigns and to get a match with Roman Reigns and to get a win on Roman Reigns, nonetheless. I mean, we're talking about, oh, he didn't win cleanly. Again, like you said, Brian, he's a heel. Why would he win cleanly? How is he going to beat Roman Reigns cleanly? I know nobody likes Roman Reigns, but think about it. He is the guy. He is the guy for WWE. They want to push this guy as the face. Why in the world would they make him lose clean? It makes no sense. So I like the way they did it. It incorporated the Braun Strowman thing in there too because uh, I, I, I mean, thank, finally they, they announced this match, but I don't know how else they're really going to start building towards Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman if he didn't interfere in that match. I mean, really, because Roman Reigns has no business, you know, fighting Samoa Joe or going into feud with Samoa Joe right now. We know it's lined up for Roman Reigns after Braun Strowman. It's the Undertaker at WrestleMania. So this was probably just a one-off, like you said. But you got to be happy with the way he was booked on his first night on Raw. I thought, like you said, it was very, very successful. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does next. Where does Samoa Joe go from here? Who does he fight at WrestleMania? I mean, a lot of questions still up in the air, but nonetheless, first night out of the way, and I can't wait to see as this thing unfolds in the next coming weeks. Uh, moving on to the rest of the show, uh, Nia Jax took on Bailey in the next segment. Uh, very good match, I thought. Uh, great storytelling, I, I thought was really good here. Uh, Nia Jax dominated most of the match, like she always does, but Bailey had a lot of resiliency in this match. She had a lot of heart, and that's where you want to build up Bailey. You know, you want to see, you want to build her up like this ultimate underdog, where you can put so much at her, but she's gonna keep coming back, fighting. She's gonna be resilient. She's gonna be courageous, and that's the way you want to book Bailey. Uh, and I thought the match ended the right way. Again, you know, Shaw comes out, gets involved. You know, that will add more heat to this feud. Expect to see another match between these two girls. Oh, of course, well, this Monday we're seeing the match. The women's title rematch this Monday, and I gotta say, Ryan, I am not happy about that. I, uh, one of the problems that Raw has is that they just waste away matches on Raw, especially title matches. I mean, what is the point of having Bailey versus Charlotte on a Monday Night Raw for the women's championship? I mean, can you just build it up week by week, like like SmackDown does, where every single week there's a different segment, you know, a different way to build up the feud. They don't do that Monday Night Raw. They just think that having repetitive matches between two of the same talents is the right way to go in terms of building up storylines. And I got a newsflash for you. That is not the right way to go. I mean, you should build that match up. I, I'm, I'm going to be completely honest with you, Ryan. These two girls should not touch each other until WrestleMania. We're not going to get that, of course, because Raw can't do that. I mean, oh my god, we're, we're two months away to WrestleMania. We have to have these girls wrestle each other a couple more times. No, you don't. Build up the match. Make it more meaningful. Have more anticipation for this match. And again, I just think on this Raw, they're just wasting away this match. Because look, in the very end, when these two girls do meet each other at WrestleMania, or if they make it a Fatal 4-Way... People are not going to be that interested because we've already seen it how many times? They're oversaturating the storyline like they did with Sasha and Charlotte. Yes, Sasha and Charlotte was a great feud. One of the best women's feuds in the WWE that we've seen. But 
what was what was one of the problems I had with the feud, and you know what I'm going to go here, Ryan, is that they oversaturated it. I mean, to see these girls face each other for the championship six different times is absurd. And it looks like right now we're getting to that point with, with, with Charlotte and Bayley. This is their second time facing each other for the championship. By WrestleMania, they may have five matches against each other. And that is one thing that I hate about Raw and the way they handle their women's division. They oversaturate storylines. They put too much focus on two female talents when it comes to the championship where they have to face each other every single week. I mean, what is this, the fifth time these two girls are facing each other for the past two months? It's absurd. There's no need for it. I mean, again, look what SmackDown's doing. I mean, they're building up their matches. They're 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 anticipating the matches. People get pumped up for it because they hype it up. With Raw, they just announce it out of nowhere with no build, no anticipation. Oh, Charlotte screws Bailey. Oh, next week Bailey has a rematch with Charlotte. Really? Can you build it up week by week? Can you can you make it feel more meaningful? That is one of the problems I have with Monday Night Raw with their women's division. They don't build up matches. They just announce it like it's nothing. You can't do that. Enough with the repetitive storytelling. It's getting absurd. But again, it's no it's no uh, surprise when we saw this happen with with Charlotte and Sasha. How could it be any different with Charlotte and Bailey? They're going to do the same exact thing until WrestleMania when we're either going to have Charlotte versus Bailey for the sixth time for the Women's Championship or we're going to get that fatal four-way match between Sasha, Charlotte, Bailey, and Nia Jax, the match we've been hearing that's going to likely happen at Mania. But you never know. Changes always happen. But still, though, that is, again, one of the problems with Raw is that they repeat their storytelling. They're repeating matches. That's not the right way to go when you're trying to tell a good story. Again, Sasha and Charlotte was a good story, but it could have been better without all these repetitive matches. Have some different segments. Do Be more creative with your storytelling. And that is one thing that the Raw writing staff and Vince McMahon, who was running Raw, they clearly don't understand how to do it in this day and age. Yeah, no, I know. I have the uh, the same exact reaction as you. I mean, when I saw that that, you know, was announced for Monday night, I mean, okay, again, you know, Char- I mean, uh, Bailey gets the pin on Charlotte, so, okay, yeah, she gets another title match. All right, and there's really no pay-per-view until Fastlane, and that's a while away, so how are you going to continue to build this? Okay, I get it. why there's a title match, but again, like you said, it's just, it's going to become too much, and that's why... At WrestleMania, we're hearing there's rumors that it's going to be a fatal four-way match for this women's title. It has to be a, fo- fa- a fatal four-way at this point. It has to be because by the time we get to WrestleMania, like you said, Charlotte and Bailey will have probably faced each other like seven, eight times already. And it just makes the match so less important when you see it so many more times and then you have it on a big stage like WrestleMania. I mean, we've seen it a bunch of times before. It's nothing new. So nobody's going to be as interested as they should be. So... I pray to God that Charlotte retains the belt this Monday night on Raw. Uh, I think Bailey's win deserves to come at WrestleMania. Have her win the Fatal 4-Way. Have her overcome those three other women and, and, and have a triumph victory. I mean, you see Sasha Banks is probably turning heel soon, too. So there goes B- Bailey's friend. So you just have her triumph in the end and win the belt. It'll be such a great moment other than just giving her the championship on Raw this, this coming Monday just because they want to keep Charlotte's pay-per-view streak intact. Enough of that stupid stuff already. That's where her win should come. But, yeah, I mean, like you said, Brian, SmackDown does it better than anybody. I mean, look, just look at what they've done. They have three women's matches 
on tomorrow night's pay-per-view. Three, and each one is built up perfectly. Even Alexa Bliss and Naomi, which barely even got any build because it was just announced like a week and a half ago. So, I mean, Bailey barely has any build, but from watching SmackDown this past week and the dual contract signing, I'm more intrigued in that match than Charlotte and Bailey on Raw this Monday. So, again, that's the problem. You're right. It's too over-saturated. That's the problem with Raw. And not even just in the women's division. That's with anything. Anything on Raw is oversaturated because they just do the same things over and over and over again. So we'll see what happens on Monday. I mean, they're stacking this 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 Raw to be big, I guess. You know, Las Vegas. Uh, you know, it's a big Raw. They don't really go to Las Vegas a lot. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But I pray to God Charlotte wins because if they give it to Bailey, I think it's the wrong, wrong move in my opinion. But uh, again, that's the problem with Raw. It's too much oversaturation, like you said. Yeah, I'm gonna be hoping for Charlotte too, but I don't see it. I mean, cause look, here's what's gonna happen: Bailey's gonna win the belt on Monday, and it's gonna set up another match between these two girls at Fastlane, and then Charlotte's gonna win the belt again at Fastlane, and then going to WrestleMania. Then we're gonna probably see Bailey win the belt again. But like you said, Ryan, if Bailey wins the belt at Mania, yes, that's great, but. It won't feel that special because she's already won the championship. You know, that's the problem with Raw. You know, they want to make moments. I get that. But can you save these moments for bigger stages? I mean, come on. Yes, we all want to see Bailey win the championship. I want to see Bailey win the championship. But it should happen at WrestleMania, not on a Monday Night Raw in Las Vegas. No. But it's going to happen, Ryan. It's going to be the same old crap going back to Charlotte versus Sasha. Sasha, when he when she won her three championships, I believe she won three championships. Um, all of them took place on Monday Night Raw. None of them were on a pay per view because we gotta keep this undefeated pay per view streak for Charlotte. Which, let's be honest, who gives a crap about that? Is it significant to me? It's not. Oh, great, you're undefeated in pay per view matches. Who freaking gives a crap? I don't care about it. You know, people, they're, they're going to bring it up like, oh, it's this monumental, historic thing that Charlotte has yet to lose a pay-per-view match. But to me, it has no meaning. It really does have no meaning. It's just stupid, poor storytelling, which has hurt Charlotte's feuds with certain uh, with certain female superstars. And again, you know, Bailey's going to win the belt on Monday. Yes, that's great and all, but we all know what's going to be what's going to happen next. There's going to be a rematch at Fastlane. Charlotte's going to win that match because she's still undefeated in the pay-per-views. And then at WrestleMania, if it is going to be the Fatal 4-Way match, in all likelihood, it's going to be Bailey winning the championship. And yes, that will be great again, but it won't be that meaningful because she's already won the championship before. And then she had to drop it three weeks later to Charlotte in order to get it back then at WrestleMania. Again, it's just poor storytelling. Save this moment, all right? Have Billy win this belt at Mania, not on a Monday Night Raw. It doesn't make sense. It won't feel that special. You know, at WrestleMania, the place where moments, you know, dreams become reality. You know, Bailey becoming Women's Champion, that's been her dream since she's, you know, started watching WWE. She wanted to be a part of WWE and become Women's Champion. Wouldn't you want to save that moment for WrestleMania, the biggest stage the WWE puts together? I don't want to see that moment happen on Monday Night Raw. I mean, yeah, it would be great to see, but come on. Save the moment for a bigger stage. And that bigger stage is, without a doubt, WrestleMania. 
But Raw doesn't give a crap. Vince McMahon doesn't give a crap. He just wants to continue to do this stupid storyline where Charlotte's undefeated at pay-per-views. She'll drop the belt on Raw no matter what, but at a pay-per-view, she can't lose. It makes no sense to me. It really doesn't. So, like you said, Ryan, I'll be hoping for um, a Charlotte retain, but I don't know how it's going to work. I really don't know how that's all going to play out, you know, because, look, we're heading to Fastlane. If Charlotte does win on Monday... She needs an opponent for Fastlane. Who is it going to be? It's not going to be Sasha Banks. We've seen that already a thousand times. Nia Jax, it won't make sense because both her and Charlotte are heels. It's going to be Bailey. And if Bailey doesn't win on Monday, that's twice she's lost to Charlotte for the women's title. Why, she des- why does she deserve another rematch? She doesn't then. So, again, I just think Bailey's going to win the match on, on Monday. She's going to drop the belt to Charlotte at Fastlane like we saw with Sasha Banks do numerous times. And then at WrestleMania, we're going to see probably Bailey win the belt. Or even Sasha Banks. Who knows? If Sasha turns heel, they could give her the belt at Mania. But, again, the favorite should be Bailey because she deserves it more. She could use the title run to help her out. But, again, it won't feel that special because if she does win the belt at Mania, that will be her second run. Not her first run. Her second title win. And that should not be the case. You know, you want to make a special moment feel special have Bailey win her first women's title on WrestleMania and not let it be wasted on a Monday Night Raw. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I mean, again, I could definitely see it, like you said. I mean, you know, same old crap where Bailey wins on Raw. Similar, it's going to be like you said, the Sasha Banks story 2.0. She wins on Raws, but can't defeat Charlotte at pay-per-views. And again, if they do that, I mean, not nobody's gonna like it. I'm telling you, I, I, I do not want to see that. I understand at this point, Charlotte is the one of the best, if not the best, women's wrestler that WWE has on the roster. I mean, yeah, you people can make a case that Sasha Banks is up there, okay, and even Bailey. I mean, you know, those two put on a classic, we know, at the NXT TakeOver in Brooklyn. Again, those two are phenomenal as well, but nobody as, as good as Charlotte. I get it, but I think it's becoming a little too much now with seeing her with this women's belt. I feel like, give it to Bailey and let her run with it. Let her have a run with it. A At least a three-month, four-month, five-month, even six-month title reign. Just let it happen. I think people want to see that. They're getting sick and tired of Charlotte. Heck, you know, if Charlotte, you know, loses at WrestleMania or whatever, doesn't walk out of Mania with the title, I think she should take some time off and just go do something else because I don't know what other feud you throw her in. No, I think a lot of people are just getting sick and tired of seeing her with that belt. And it's like we know exactly what's going to go down. She'll lose the title when it's on the line on a Monday Night Raw, on a random Raw. Like you said, this, this Monday in Las Vegas, a random Raw that they just choose She'll lose it there, but she'll win it back at the pay-per-view when she's in the title match because you know that's how it goes down because they want to keep this streak intact. And like you said, Brian, who cares about the streak? It doesn't mean anything. It's not like Undertaker's WrestleMania streak. It doesn't mean anything. Nobody is going to look back in a couple of years and say, wow, you know, Charlotte was undefeated at pay-per-views in her first two years in the WWE. That's pretty incredible. Nobody's going to say that. It's scripted. This is a scripted sport. It does, she's not actually winning these matches. She's not actually undefeated. She's being chosen to win all these matches, and they're keeping it like that because of who she is. Again, it's stupid. Like you said, Brian, it's similar to the New Day 
becoming the longest reigning tag champs, and Nikki Bella becoming the longest reigning Divas champ because they wanted to erase AJ out of the record books. Again, it's stupid. It makes no sense. It doesn't mean anything. Again, nobody's going to look back in a couple of years and say, wow, that was historic, because it's not. So, again, I mean, I hope, you know, uh, Charlotte wins on Monday and then loses it somewhere down the line at a pay-per-view just so we can end this stupid talk about her streak. But like you said, Brian, who knows? The way Raw operates, I wouldn't put anything past them. So we'll see what happens this Monday. But like you said, not really looking forward to it. I mean, as for the rest of Raw, uh, Braun Strowman squashing four jobbers to me was stupid. I mean, why are you putting Braun Strowman in that in that predicament where he's got to squash more talent? I have we have we seen that enough already with Braun Strowman? I mean, he did that for two months until he actually started getting to getting involved in big storylines. So that did nothing for me. Uh, Tazawa, Kira Tazawa made his uh. Debut on Monday Night Raw, very solid. Uh, he actually had a good surprising reaction with the fans. I mean, the fans liked the Tazawa. Not that loud, like full sale, but still you can hear from the fans that they like this guy. So hopefully that's some good. That's a good sign for Tazawa's future. Um, Goldberg, Owens, and Jericho segment. Uh, it is what it is with Goldberg. I mean, we all know that this is going to happen between him and Kevin Owens. It's going to be rough to see. When Goldberg takes the bell for Kevin Owens, it, it will be a, an absolute tragedy. Because we've already heard rumors that Goldberg's going to win that belt over Kevin Owens in probably another short match from what we've heard. Great. Like, we're going to see Owens get freaking squashed by a 50-year-old Goldberg. And then he's going to put the belt on the line of WrestleMania versus Brock, Lesnar, versus Brock Lesnar. Like, that match isn't big enough. we got to add the title involved. Makes no sense. Uh, but overall, before Goldberg made his appearance against uh, Jericho and Owens, it was a good segment. I mean, number one... Jericho putting Tom Bray on the list was one of the greatest things I've ever seen because, of course, we were coming off the heels of the Super Bowl. Uh, Tom Bray won his fifth championship. Now people calling him the greatest of all time in the history of football. And we all know if you call yourself the greatest of all time, if you're not Chris Jericho, guess what? Y2J is going to put you on the list. So I thought that was a funny, funny segment. Uh, and even when Goldberg put himself on the list, took the uh, the little clipboard away from Jericho and he put himself on the list, that was pretty funny. But uh, – it was a good segment, but again, you know, I'm just not looking forward to seeing uh, Goldberg versus Owens at Fastlane. Not looking forward to that. Um, you know, the club versus Cesaro and Sheamus in the uh, tag team title rematch was very solid. Uh, seeing Enzo and Cass get involved now is very interesting. I mean, finally, these two guys are getting a tag team title shot. We have not seen this happen in quite some time. They've been doing stupid stuff with with uh, Rusev and freaking Jinder Mahal that has done nothing for them. So hopefully th their involvement will get him involved in the tag team title scene. That'd be good to see. Uh, and the uh, the Zayn versus Jericho match for the U.S. title. I mean, I really don't get it. I mean, Jericho wins the bell for Sami Zayn. What does that mean for Sami Zayn? You know, he is he going to get a rematch? Yes, Kevin Owens did screw, uh, did get involved, and he costed Sami Zayn the match and gave the bell back to, to Jericho. And we've hearing rumors that, you know, Jericho versus Zayn is going to happen at uh, Fastlane, which is good to see. But again, another match wasted. You know, why are you wasting this match where you can have them face each other at Fastlane? Build it up week by week. Why have to waste this match again on Raw? Because look, yes, Zayn versus Jericho is always going to be good. But, you know, when we see it so many times, it's not going to be that meaningful. It's not going to be that special. So, again, you know, I did not agree with them having a match on Raw. I thought they did it the right way, though. If you're going to have that match go on, have Zayn get screwed out of the match so he can get himself another rematch with Jericho. And I still think at Fastlane, have Zayn win the belt. I mean, let's be honest. Jericho was leaving WWE pretty soon to take time off to uh, to do his Fozzie tour. 
there is no need for Jericho to hold on to this belt anytime soon. And, and, and if he's facing Kevin Owens for the championship, and, and excuse me, if he's facing Kevin Owens at WrestleMania, don't put the belt on the line. The, 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 there should be no belt involved. You know, that Owens-Jericho uh, Owens match should be more than just a title match. It should be something personal between these two guys. It, it should be bigger than a belt. So, uh, overall, again, for this week's Raw, not that bad. Not that great, but it was solid. As we're starting to see the seeds getting planted for Fastlane and some of the matches that are going to happen there. But, uh, again, overall, a solid Raw. But, again, you know, with Raw... We're not going to see a great Raw in a long time because, you know, Raw just doesn't do its part in making the show great every single week. I mean, there'll be some good moments, but there's also going to be some bad moments. And, you know, we need to see a lot more good than bad moments with Raw because, again, every single week, SmackDown is just annihilating Raw. You know, not in the ratings, but still in terms of storylines, um, you know, direction with talents. They're killing Raw every single week, and... When's Raw going to get out of this funk? Who the hell knows? Maybe if the, the if the creative team can get its act together, or they start writing a lot better, or Vince McMahon starts getting his act together, understand that this is not working out, then we could see Raw getting its act together and start putting on better shows. But with, with Vince still running the show, with the Ryan staff still in place, every single week, Raw is going to be maybe good, but not always great. So yet again this week, good Raw, but not the greatest. Yeah, no, definitely not the greatest, but I think, you know, uh, you know, a couple of good things like you just mentioned did happen. So, again, it wasn't the worst one I've ever seen. I mean, to me, if the show starts off hot, ends on a good note, and has a couple of good things in the middle, I mean, you know, that's really all you can ask for, especially coming from, from Raw, where literally, uh, you know, a bunch of times they have just flopped, uh, you know, in the past. So, you know, like you mentioned, Chris Jericho putting Tom Brady on the list, I thought that was absolutely fantastic and probably one of the highlights of Raw. Uh, we finally got the Goldberg, uh, Kevin Owens, you know, uh, stare down where, you know, Kevin Owens is going to put the belt on the line at Fastlane, and we knew it was coming. We were basically were reading the rumors. We didn't know if it was true, if it was going to happen for sure or not. But here we go, and get ready. I mean, uh, you know, it, it could not be any more obvious that Goldberg is going to win this belt. I mean, really, even people that stay off the, the Internet and don't read anything, any spoilers, don't know any of the dirt sheet websites or nothing like that, I mean, you could you can even predict that, that Goldberg is going to win this belt. I mean, you can just see the writing on the wall already. Again, at this point, I'm just going to accept it because there's no point of sitting here and moping and being so down about it. I mean, I, I guess in a way I see where they're coming from from a business standpoint going into WrestleMania with that belt on the line and that big-time match like, like it is. I think, again, it makes sense. As a fan, we hate it. I'm, but again, for coming from a business standpoint, I see what Vince is looking at there. And, you know, again, we've seen Goldberg and Brock uh, how many times before? I mean, again, if putting the belt on the line, I guess, in their eyes, adds some more intrigue to the match at WrestleMania. So I get it. You know, again, if Kevin Owens, Chris Jericho at WrestleMania is for the United States title, then that's fine with me. I just need it to be for at least some title. Uh, so I hope Jericho doesn't lose it to Sami Zayn, which I thought he was going to lose it to Sami Zayn. But luckily he didn't, uh, you know, in that match there. Who knows if there'll be a rematch at Fastlane, but I just don't see Jericho dropping the belt to, to Zayn right away. So we'll see what happens with that. But that was an overall good segment. Uh, you know, again, Chris Jericho is the highlight of, of that, you know, segment. Uh, again, numerous times before. He's just outstanding. I mean, who knew in 2017 
Chris Jericho would still be killing it in WWE like it is. It's pretty incredible. Uh, like you mentioned, Enzo and Cass, too, getting involved in the tag title picture, it looks like. I mean, yeah, about time, you know? I mean, these guys literally have been a flop on the main roster ever since they debuted. So it's about time they get something here. And I think that's the ideal match for WrestleMania. I think, you know, Anderson and Gallows versus Enzo and Cass for these tag belts. I mean, you know, I don't see any other match you really... You really put on that on that card, so I hope that's the direction they're going. But uh, you know, we just mentioned the Samoa Joe stuff. Not much more to mention on Monday Night Raw. So again, like you said, Brian, not the worst, not the best. It's your average Monday Night Raw. It's basically what we get on television every Monday night. It's either average or it's bad. So it's never tremendously great. So uh, you know, again, we just have to live with what we got. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of SmackDown, uh, its final show before, uh, of course, tomorrow's Elimination Chamber pay per view. Like I said many times on the show, it delivered yet again. I mean, the go home the go home show for SmackDown was very very good. I I didn't think the entire show was great, but it was good overall. I mean, the segments that needed to be great were great. Uh, kicking off the show right away when Daniel Bryan came out, of course, was going to talk about the the one year anniversary when he retired in the WWE. Here comes the Miz, of course, being the uh, the heel coming out, interrupting Daniel Bryan's uh, moment spotlight. And, uh, you know, he comes out trash-talking Daniel Bryan, of course, as he always done, talking about the Elimination Chamber match. And then here comes everybody else. You have AJ Styles, Baron Corbin, Dean Ambrose all coming out. Very good segment. All four guys have the opportunity to speak, talk about their reason why they're going to win the match. And it led to a Fatal 4 match between all four competitors. It was very, very good match. Baron Corbin going over in the match, to me, was the smart move right there. Because, look, when we look at this match, and you look at all six competitors in this match, the least favorite from the fans' perspective to win this match is Baron Corbin because he's the least experienced. So it's SmackDown's job to say, hey, you may think Baron Corbin is the least experienced, but we're going to have this guy topple everybody. Week by week, we're going to have him pin AJ Styles. We're going to have him taking out John Cena and The Miz and Dean Ambrose. We're having this guy go over week by week. That's a smart move. It's your job to convince fans that, hey, he may have the least amount of experience, but don't sleep on Baron Corbin. This guy is legit. And guess what, people? He is starting to become legit. I'm completely thrilled with the way Baron Corbin's being booked these days, SmackDown is doing its part in making Baron Corbin a legitimate talent on that show. He still has some work to do, of course. He's not a finished product, but this guy is putting in the work. You know, he's he's getting better week by week. He's getting himself involved in these big matches, in these title matches. And that's good to see because Baron Corbin has huge upside. You know, the guy's got a good look. He's big. He's, you know... Giftedly athletic, of course, coming back from his football days. He can deliver. You know, in, in NXT, again, I was hard on him early on. I didn't think his performances in TakeOver Brooklyn against Samoa Joe and then in, then in London versus Apollo Crews were that great. But ever since he's made the move to the main roster, man, this guy is delivering every single time, man. And that is great to see for Baron Corbin because he could use it. He's very, very talented. The brand split has done him wonders. And SmackDown has done its part in building this guy as a legitimate star. And then in terms of the main event between John Cena versus Randy Orton, I mean, it was a good match. Of course, Cena and Randy will always deliver a good match. They have great chemistry. But again, they did it the right way, I thought. You know, Luke Harper comes out, interferes in the match, takes out Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton. John Cena picking up the victory, to me, was uh, no surprise. You know, some people didn't like it, but guess what, people? 
when we saw John Cena versus Randy Orton on SmackDown, we all know that's not going to happen at WrestleMania. That is a clear indication that it's not going to be Cena versus Randy Orton at WrestleMania. They would not waste, I mean, I mean, we just talked about wasting matches, but I, I just think in, in terms of Cena versus Orton and a WrestleMania match, they will not waste it on a SmackDown show just out of nowhere. They would want to build that match up week by week. So with Randy facing Cena, that just shows you that this is not going to happen at WrestleMania. So be prepared tomorrow night to crown a new champion. That's just me. There's no way Randy's losing his spot as the number one contender for the championship. Somebody is going to beat Cena tomorrow for that belt. Will it be Bray Wyatt? We'll see. We're going to, of course, predict it a little bit later. But right then and there, I thought in terms of the overall storytelling and the booking with that match, it was perfect because they got they got to find a way to utilize Luke Harper. You know, he's no longer a part of the Wyatt family. And there's just some, you know, bizarre storyline between him and Bray that, yes, Bray may have control over Luke Harper, but Luke's not in the Wyatt family. And then we saw on Tuesday that Luke broke away from the from the power of Bray, attacking him, and then getting involved with Randy Orton and causing Orton to win over John Cena. So I like the way they've been booking Luke Harper. I'm very intrigued to see where they go on from here with Luke in terms of him as a single star. You know, what's his role going to be at WrestleMania? What, what's he going to do next after tomorrow night? I'm interested. So overall, the beginning of the show was very good with all four competitors. And the show was great at the end between Cena and Orton. You know, having Luke Harper getting involved, scoring Randy, and more heat to that match coming tomorrow night. And, of course, it does protect Cena as he is your world champion going to tomorrow night. So, And, of course, the women's stuff was fantastic. I mean, the dual contract sign between Bliss, uh, Mickey James, Becky Lynch, and Naomi was tremendous. Again, all four girls got their chance to speak. All four of them. Killed it on the microphone. I thought Mickey James was tremendous. Again, talking about her frustration that when it comes to women's revolution, that she's not a part of the equation, that she doesn't get mentioned. Becky Lynch coming out saying that, you know, I'm going to prove to you that I'm one of the best female talents in the world. Uh, Alexa Bliss, again, being that top heel women's champion. And I like the fact that she is considering Naomi as an outcast because, look, that's the way Naomi's been booked. In WWE for the past couple of years, when we talk about some of the top women talent in the WWE, we don't hear Naomi a lot. You know, she's not in the conversation with the likes of Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks and Bailey and Charlotte and one time ago Paige. She wasn't in that conversation. So to see Bliss brag about that and basically making fun of her was a good way to again get more heat on Bliss, but to motivate Naomi and to get fans on her side to say, hey. You know, she's a pretty damn good talent. Don't sleep on her. And I thought Naomi delivered on her promo. She was very good. And seeing her attack Bliss was a cool moment. And then we had a whole melee where Lynch attacked James. And then this and that happened. That was the best segment I thought on the entire show. Tremendous stuff. They did it the right way. Yes, SmackDown is in love with the um, the contract signings, of course, with the women talent. But it is what it is, you know. There's so much that you can do when it comes to building up matches where... Contract signs are very, very useful these days, and it adds more heat between the talent when they talk at each other, and it leads to a great brawl. So overall, again, SmackDown, I thought, delivered. The Nikki Bell and Natalia stuff was very solid, and overall, just the show was, once again, very, very good top to bottom, and SmackDown's very consistent with their shows. Again, when it comes to direction with talent, with their storytelling, with the duration of each segment, whether it's a match or a talking segment... They deliver every single week, and that's why 
ever since this brand split happened, SmackDown has been more of the A show than Monday Night Raw because they focus on what is right with their product. They put focus on their talent. They put focus on their storytelling. And they do their absolute best to build up each story wrestler leading into their big pay-per-views. And that's why SmackDown is so entertaining to watch. So once again, final SmackDown before Elimination Chamber to me, very, very successful. Oh, absolutely. And I'm looking forward to tomorrow's pay-per-view so much. I mean, really, they have done a tremendous job in building this up. Like you said, I mean, not every single match is, is a, you know, a stellar match. I mean, of course, you got like Luke Harper versus Randy Orton. You have Alexa Bliss, Naomi. I don't know if a lot of people really want to see Naomi getting a title shot. But the way they've built these matches up, it kind of gets you excited in a way. And you're right, Brian. I mean, the way the show opened up was awesome. I mean, with Baron Corbin, The Miz, uh, AJ Styles, Dean Ambrose. I mean, of course, Daniel Bryan coming out. It's his hometown of Seattle. I, I mean, it, it was perfect. And I'm telling you, Baron Corbin, this is going to be a big year for him. And it's such a damn shame that, you know, they don't have something big lined up for him at WrestleMania. I mean, who knows? Maybe they do. But right now, it, it's not looking too, too bright. Uh, but again, I would have loved if they would have held off on him and John Cena and have that match at WrestleMania. I mean, that could have done wonders for the guy. I mean, they, this guy deserves a big-time spot. He deserves something here. He's world championship material. He, he really is. And, and that's so funny that I'm sitting here saying this because, you know, about a year ago when he was in NXT, we were talking about how he needed more work and how he needed to prove us that he, he belongs here. And now he's on the main roster and he's killing it. So I want to see more of Baron Corbin, man. He is the real deal. Uh, you know, the Fatal 4-Way match was pretty good. Of course, he picked up the victory. Uh, like you said, the women's stuff is great. The dual contract signing, I think it's great. It puts focus on two major women's matches that are going down tomorrow. Of course, Mickey James, Becky Lynch, which I'm really looking forward to. And, you know, again, like I just mentioned, Alexa Bliss and Naomi. And, I mean, Alexa Bliss just continues to kill it out there on the microphone. Just every single segment, man, she should really hold on to this belt for as long as she possibly can. She is arguably... The, one of the best that they got on SmackDown. It's unbelievable how much she literally has just broke out and come out of nowhere. She is just incredible. Uh, Mickey James on the microphone. To me, I don't know if you feel the same way, Brian. To me, Mickey James as a heel is very, very awkward. It's very weird when she is giving heel promos on the microphone. She enunciates her words too much. She's, she literally, like, just the way she speaks kind of bothers me a little bit. Uh, maybe it's just me. Uh, I'm, I'm too picky about this. But the way she just goes, Becky Lynch, I am. Like, she just spaces out the words too much. She tries too hard to be a heel. I think she's meant to be a face. So, I mean, who knows where this is going to go. Uh, but, again, I don't know. To me, it just seems like Mickey tries too hard to be a heel. But, overall, I enjoyed it. The beatdown, too, I enjoyed as well. I'm looking forward to Naomi getting the title shot. So, again, another good segment, uh, you know, done by SmackDown. And, of course, going to the main event. Like you said, Brian, I don't... There was never meant to be John Cena versus Randy Orton at WrestleMania. I truly believe that was never supposed to happen. And it's clear indication that now we're definitely not going to get it. If we just saw it on SmackDown Live, why would they give it to us at WrestleMania, the biggest show of the year? Makes no sense. So, again, we're not getting it there. But it was a good match and, of course, ended the right way with Luke Harper coming in and getting himself involved in this. I mean, Luke Harper... I want to see him more of him. I want to see more of him. And I love the fact that he's breaking out now. He's done with the Wyatt family. It's going to be weird to see him as a face. I mean, I don't think he's going to talk much. And again, he's kind of helping John Cena, but he's kind of like not really making it obvious that he's helping John Cena. He just wants to screw over Bray and Randy. 
uh, which I get, and he'll go one-on-one -on -one with Randy Orton tomorrow night, but I thought there was a perfect way to end SmackDown, man. I'm telling you, they just continue week after week to put on great shows, and again, the way they built towards this pay-per-view tomorrow gets me so excited, so I'm looking forward to it. So again, I thought SmackDown was very, very successful this past Tuesday night. And it should be, good, it should be a good pay-per-view tomorrow, so looking forward to that, and of course... We will preview it and predict it uh, in a matter of moments. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we get back, we got to recap NXT. And then we're going to dive into the big show taking place tonight and tomorrow. Of course, tonight, UFC 208. We'll give a quick prediction for that as we will crown a new uh, UFC Women's Featherweight Champion. And we'll also get into Elimination Chamber predictions. Who's going to win the Elimination Chamber match? Will we crown a new Women's Champion? Crown new Tag Team Champions? Some other stuff going on. So we'll do right do that after this commercial break. We'll be right back with the Royal Rumble Podcast. Hang on, everybody. Wouldn't you like, like to do, to something, do something cool, cool and, exciting. and exciting, whether you're whether a veteran, veteran show host, show host or, someone or someone who's never hit the, the airwaves, we, we want, want you to join, join the family, the family at Radio, radio, radio today. today. Visit, visit the website, website at www.radio.com. The best part of a radio is 100% Welcome back to the Royal Rumble Podcast here on itsyourradio.com. One hour in the books. Of course, we recap Raw SmackDown, plus a little bit of a talk for New Beginning Tour for New Japan Pro Wrestling. And now we're into hour number two. Let's talk about NXT, and we're going to preview and predict both UFC 208 and Elimination Chamber. But we'll start with NXT, of course. It was their first uh, episode of the new TV tapings took place this past Wednesday, of course. We are moving on from TakeOver San Antonio. And now the focus shifts to TakeOver Orlando. Uh, of course, that's going to be the biggest TakeOver of the year because it's WrestleMania weekend. And we start seeing a little bit of some teases heading into TakeOver Orlando, just a little bit. Um, we'll start things off, of course, with the new NXT champion, Bobby Roode. Uh, he, he had his little um, celebration, glorious celebration of him being the NXT champion. And I thought he cut another great promo. Basically saying that all Shinsuke Nakamura comes into NXT, he beats every single person that came in front of him, whether it was Sami Zayn, Finn Balor, Austin Aries, Samoa Joe, a couple of times. 
But the one person he couldn't beat was me, Bobby Roode. He was bragging about that. And that was good to see because that's what heels do. When you knock off a top-notch face talent and you win the ultimate prize, you have every right to brag about how great you are. And Bobby Roode once again did that. He came out cocky as all hell, being the glorious talent that he is. And on the microphone, saying what it is, saying, oh, Nakamura was so dominant, but why couldn't he beat me? Why? Because I'm glorious. I'm the best that NXT has to offer. And I thought he delivered a very strong promo. And now the next question is, when are we going to see Nakamura back? Because the rumors are that he is not, he did not tear any ligaments in his leg or did not have any slight tear of any ACL or MCL tear in his leg. I still think it's all storyline purposes. I don't think it's a real injury. Uh, but still, that's the next question. When are we going to see Nakamura on television? And we've already heard the rumors, and if you guys have read the spoilers, that Chris Hero or Cassius Ono, that he's now known in, in NXT, that he will be getting involved pretty soon with this whole Bobby Roode fiasco. And when are we going to see that with Chris, with Chris Hero back on NXT television? We'll be keeping an eye on that for the next coming weeks as we uh, look forward to take over Orlando. But some other stuff happened. We had, um, of course, the tag team title scenario where the Revival called out the Altars of Pain. They wanted to challenge them to a tag team title match in the future. Led to a little bit of a melee between the two tag teams as uh, the Revival attacked Altars of Pain from, uh, from behind when you thought they left the building when the Altars of Pain appeared. Uh, again, I'm, I'm not sure what to think about it because they are two heel tag teams. You have to think that DIY is going to get involved some way because they still are own a, are owe a rematch for those tag team belts. So I could definitely see a scenario where these three teams will all face each other for those belts at Orlando. Personally, I love that. I think that's cool. Some others think that the Revival should be on the main roster. I agree. But I could definitely see uh, Triple H saving them from the main roster until after WrestleMania, like he did with Endzone Cast last year. They're going to have those two guys appear probably after WrestleMania, which to me could be the smart move because right now, let's be honest, what's the role of the Revival going to be on the main roster? I mean, I know everybody wants to see them on SmackDown against American Alpha, and that would be great to see, but who knows? Maybe Vince has plans for them on Monday Night Raw, and if, and if that's the case, what are they going to do on Monday Night Raw? I'm not sure. So right now they're going to save the Revival Probably at the WrestleMania when new storylines come up, they're going to bring those two guys up. Should be the case. They deserve it. But in terms of that situation, that's what I see happening. Revival, DIY, Authors of Pain at TakeOver Orlando. In terms of um, you know the whole sanity thing with Ty Dillinger, that was great stuff too. I mean, number one, I got to say this. How damn good was Big Damo, or now he's known as Killian Dana. I think it's a stupid name, by the way. But yeah, we'll call him Killian Dane. How impressive was he? I mean, I know this guy was a big-time talent when it came to United Kingdom Wrestling. Whether he was in Progress or Rev Pro, this guy dominated the uh, British wrestling scene. I saw a, a little bit of him, and I see a lot about this guy. But I definitely see his potential, man. He is a talented, talented dude. The way he moves in the ring for his size is incredible. Um, he's not the greatest look. I, we all know that. You know, he's a big, hairy guy. He's not muscular. He's just got all fat. But he's a good athlete for his size, man. He can really move in the ring. And seeing him absolutely dominate the Bollywood boys in the first match was great. And then the second match they had, because, of course, the story was they beat up the Bollywood boys. They won the match. Eric Young comes out, of course, leader of Sanity, basically saying that Ty Dillinger belongs to Sanity. A little bit later on the show, Dillinger on the microphone, cutting a promo on Eric Young. He gets attacked by Eric Young Insanity. 
They put him out there in the ring, about to take him out, and here comes Noe Jose and Roderick Strong for the save. Sets up a six-man tag team match, and again, it was Sanity that picked up the win. And once again, Killian Dane was impressive. And if this guy continues to perform at this rate, every single time he's out there on NXT television, Triple H may have no choice but to give this guy a singles push. I mean, I'm completely honest about that. You got, you got to think about that. Because if this guy continues to outshine everybody in the ring, and he outshines the entire Sanity faction... Triple H may have no choice but to give this guy a push as a single star. Why not? The guy is very, very talented. He's shown that. You know, this past Wednesday, he was very impressive in both of his matches against the Bollywood Boys in that six-man tag team match. So, that was a great highlight. Uh, Liv Morgan picking up a win over Billy Kay was okay, I guess. I mean, I'm still skeptical about this women's division scene. I mean, Liv Morgan's a solid talent, but she could be better. Billy Kay, the same thing. Solid, but got to be better. And it's going to set up a match next week. A uh, tag team match. Billy Kane, Payne Royce versus uh, uh, Liv Morgan and a tag team partner of her choosing. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. But overall, I thought this episode of NXT was very solid. A good way to kick off the post-TakeOver San Antonio era. And now shifting the focus to uh, TakeOver Orlando. And that should be a pretty good pay-per-view, of course. It's WrestleMania weekend. You know Triple H is looking forward to building up that show to be bigger, probably bigger than WrestleMania like TakeOver Dallas was last year. That card was incredible. Can he duplicate that this year with Orlando and its current roster? It's going to be tough because this roster is not as deep as last year's roster because last year they had Finn Balor, they had Samoa Joe, they had Nakamura, they had Sami Zayn. Revival, Austin Aries. A lot of those guys are not on the show anymore. They're not on NXT. A lot of those guys from the from the Dallas show are on the main roster. So it's going to be a tough challenge for Triple H to make this card big. But they do have some talent that could make this show big. The women's division. I mean, like like I said before, Oscar versus Ember Moon. That's a big match. That should happen. You know, Chris Hero is getting involved. That's big. Roderick Strong's involved. That's big. The revival is still there. That's big. You still have Nakamura there, possibly. You have, uh, you know, Bobby Roode in the mix. It should be a good show. Will it be as good as last year's WrestleMania show? Highly doubt it. But again, the talent is there to make the show very memorable. And I'm looking forward to seeing in the next coming weeks what are the matches. You know, what are going to be the build-up to the matches? What's going to happen from now to take over Orlando? Who's headlining the show? What are the matches going to be? We'll find out as we you know, as we move on week by week. But I st- but I thought first takeover uh, excuse me first NXT show after takeover San Antonio very solid. I'm looking forward to seeing a lot more from NXT as we inch closer to takeover Orlando. Yeah, it, it was a very eventful uh, you know episode. Like you said, a lot went down. Again, a good way to kick off the post San Antonio uh, you know show. And all roads now lead to takeover Orlando, which I am pumped for. Of course, Brian, you're just as pumped. We will be there for that so really curious to see what the card looks like for sure i mean so many different options that you know so many different scenarios uh, so many different things that they could do and you know you mentioned that it might not be as good as the you know last year's wrestlemania takeover yeah i mean you know it'll definitely be different because you know like you said the rosters are completely changed but i think they have all the talent in the world to make it just as good as last year's. I mean, really, I really believe that they have the talent to do that. So we'll see what card they whip up. I mean, I am totally confident that Triple H is going to put on the best card that he possibly could for this event. Obviously, it's the biggest takeover, you know, WrestleMania weekend. So, of course, it's going to be big. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. And 
I believe too. I'm not so sure. Actually, I think you know the uh, NXT Takeover Toronto that was in an actual arena too. But uh, this one's going to be at the Amway Center in an actual arena, not a small convention center like last year's WrestleMania show was. So uh, it definitely should be big. So I'm looking forward to it as well. But uh, Bobby Roode's promo to kick off the show was great. I mean, it's the glorious error. Again, he's always been great on the microphone. He really has, and that's why I believe that this guy, again, he's not the world's greatest wrestler. He's an average pro wrestler, but the way he talks and handles himself and carries himself, he has what it takes to carry the, 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 the weight of the company, basically. He could be the guy, and that's why he is the guy right now and why I see him being the guy uh, for the near future because when Nakamura goes up too, especially, they're going to need some help up there. I don't know who's going to step up to the plate and challenge him next, but, uh, you know, again, like you said, Chris Hero, Keshis Ono, whatever you want to call him, see where he fits into this. I strongly believe this is going to turn into a triple threat. Uh, you know, for the world title at, at the WrestleMania TakeOver. I mean, I just don't see how it's not uh, at this point. You know, Ono getting involved in the world title picture. I mean, why would he constantly keep sticking his nose in the world title picture if they didn't have plans to put him in that, you know? So, I mean, I do believe it's going to be Nakamura and Rude again. But I think you insert Ono in there, and that's a, that's a stellar main event for that weekend, let me tell you. So, uh, I hope that's the direction they go. But looking forward to see when he appears on television again. Uh, you know, you mentioned the Revival stuff with the Authors of Pain, and I'm really shocked to see the Revival still doing their thing there. They still want another title shot. I mean, um, I guess at this point, you know, you really can't debut them. I mean, right before WrestleMania, it's too close, you know, to debut them, and that would just kill their momentum. I think, you know, post-WrestleMania, you know, WrestleMania after that, you usually... It's a clean slate, basically, for WWE. New things go on. Of course, the night after Mania is when all the debuts happen on Monday Night Raw, usually. I expect a couple on SmackDown, too, this year, because they're actually including SmackDown Live now. It's on Tuesday. It's live. So I do think there's going to be some debuts there as well. But, yeah, I mean, I'm really shocked to see the Revival still getting involved. But, again, it makes sense. You know, this could be their last chance, their last shot. I think you got to incorporate DIY in there, too. So I guess you're going to throw a triple threat tag match in there. I mean, again, I don't see any other way they could possibly do this. DIY needs their rematch. If the Revival wants their match, I mean, how is that going to go down? So it could be a triple threat, too, like you said. So definitely going to be interesting to see what they do, though. Uh, you know, you mentioned the women's stuff. That's not even really to be mentioned too much. But, uh, you know, Sandy's stuff is continuing continuing to be great. And like you said, Big Damo, he's really impressing me, too, because I've literally watched this guy a couple of times before, you know, he got into WWE. Uh, he was on a couple of episodes of TNA. And to me, he didn't impress me. He really didn't. I did not look at him and say, wow, that guy's impressive. Well, I just was not invested in him. But ever since he came to NXT and ever since... You know, he joined the Sanity faction. He's just been on fire. And you're right, Brian. I mean, I would not be shocked to see him get a singles push either. And I wouldn't hate that. I think that would be awesome. I mean, this this guy is right up Vince's alley too. So that's good for his future. If he ever, you know, gets up to the main roster and becomes a big-time player, he's got the look. He's a monster. He's everything Vince loves. So, I mean, that would be great for him. So uh, I'm rooting for him. I hope he does well. I hope he does something. I hope he gets a push. Because uh, this guy really opened my eyes this past week for sure, like you said. So, again, very eventful NXT episode coming out of TakeOver San Antonio. And, again, we're um, you know, all roads lead to TakeOver Orlando now. So, seeing how this stuff unfolds in the next coming weeks should be interesting. I mean, I don't, I don't, I want to go that far in saying that he's a guy that Vince likes. Um, yeah, he's definitely he's a big guy, and Vince loves big guys, but big guys in a different way. You know, he likes guys that have the muscular frame that – 
maybe over 300 pounds, but they're built with muscle. They have more intimidating looks. I mean, yeah, Big Demo has a good look, but he's a hairy dude. He's not a muscular guy. He's got long hair. He's got uh, uh, a Duck Dynasty Bray Wyatt, uh, Wyatt family beard. I wouldn't go as far as say that he is a Vince McMahon guy, but again, the way he can move in the ring with his abilities, the way he's, he's really a fast worker for his size, he's a very interesting talent to keep an eye on as we move ahead to 2017 with NXT because I, I do believe this guy continues to outperform his uh, his faction, you know, outperforming Eric Young, uh, Wolf, and even Nikki Cross. He could be a guy that can separate himself from the group and go on his own. You know, I could definitely see Triple H say, you know what? He's better than being in a faction. Let's give this guy a shot as a singles guy. And I wouldn't be shocked that they go that route. But we're a long way from that. Because, look, Big, Big Demo just appeared in NXT. He's going to be part of this faction for quite a while. So maybe around the summertime to next fall, we could be discussing about Killian Dane as a singles competitor. But right now, he's going to be a major factor with Saturday. And when we look at the TakeOver Orlando card, here's what I got right now to see the potential card for TakeOver Orlando. To me, the the only match right now to me that is an absolute given is Oscar versus Ember Moon for the Women's Championship. And let's be honest, that should be the match at TakeOver Orlando in terms of the women, all right? There should be nobody else involved for that belt than Oscar Ember Moon. It, it makes perfect sense. You know, Oscar has been this undefeated unstoppable champion now for the past year for almost a year she's over 300 days and she's gonna break the record at wrestlemania weekend she's been on this dominant run where nobody could beat her nia Jax couldn't beat her bailey couldn't beat her you know we just saw three challengers cross k and royce they couldn't beat her Liv morgan couldn't beat her and that's gonna lead many to the question who could be oscar for the championship and i've been saying this a long time ever since you know you know, the fall of 2016, that Ember Moon is that talent. You know, she just needs to get her feet wet, but she's that talent that is going to dethrone Oscar for that championship. And the way they've been booking Ember Moon has been the right way. They really haven't given her a major feud, but they, they, they are making this girl look outstanding every single time she's out there. She's got a good look, number one. She's got a great theme music, great entrance. The fans love her, and she's outstanding in the ring. I mean, my gosh, she is very, very talented in the ring. She's a very good athlete, not to mention she has one of the freaking best finishers in wrestling, period. I mean, that finisher she does from the top rope, making it into that, you know, that top rope stunner, that is good stuff right there. And she is going to be a legitimate talent in the women's division for a long time because she's still young. She still has lots to grow. And I definitely think with her abilities in the ring that she can dethrone Asuka. And she is without a doubt the most believable talent to dethrone Asuka other than Nikki Cross, of course. But let's be honest, when it comes to those two girls, who's more talented? It's Ember Moon because she has a lot more to give than Nikki Cross. Nikki Cross is still trying to adapt to her sanity gimmick where Ember Moon is a finished product right now with her gimmick. So that's a given of a match. The triple threat match between Nakamura, uh, Chris Hero, and Bobby Roode to me is also likely going to happen. Like you said, Ryan, uh, right now, if Nakamura was going to debut on the main roster, it would have happened right now. To still see him not on the main roster tells me that he has one more match left in him for NXT. He's going to get a rematch. There's no denying that. He will get a rematch. Will be the right way for him to get involved 
for him to have versus Rude with uh, Chris Hero as well. I don't think that may be the right move, but I don't think a Bobby Rude Nakamura rematch at TakeOver Orlando is big enough to headline a WrestleMania weekend match show. You need another person in that match, and Chris Hero is that person. He's a big name. Not a big name to some WWE fans, but he's a big name to us hardcore wrestling fans. This guy is absolutely one of the very best talents in the world. He is coming off his greatest year ever. There's no denying that. Chris Hero's 2016 year was outstanding. And now he's back in NXT, and there's high expectations for this guy to deliver in NXT from us hardcore fans. And seeing him get involved in the tile scene would be great to see because this guy has a history in NXT and he deserves it. He's a tremendous talent. So I do see that match happening. Uh, again, another, another triple threat match, DIY, Revival, and uh, all there's a pain to me is a given. Again, you know, the Revival are not going to be on the main roster until WrestleMania season. I, until after WrestleMania season, I think they'll be on either Raw or SmackDown that week after WrestleMania. So, and they already made their intentions clear that they want another title shot. So, they're going to be involved. And then you throw DIY into the mix. They're looking for a tag team title rematch. It, it looks like we're going to see a triple threat match at TakeOver Orlando, which I have no problem with. I mean, Revival, DIY, and Authors of Pain, that's going to be a great match. It really will be a great match. So, to me, if I had to make a prediction, those are the three title matches for TakeOver Orlando. Oscar vs. Ember Moon for the women's title. Nakamura... Cassius Ono and Bobby Roode for the NXT Championship and DIY Revival and the Altars of Pain for the Tag Team Belts. As for the rest of the card, it's up in the air. We could see Dillinger versus Eric Young again. We could see Roderick Strong getting in a big match with Eric Young. Who knows? But in terms of the title matches, look out for those three matches right there. Oscar Ember Moon, uh, DIY Revival, Altars of Pain, and Nakamura, Bobby Roode, and Cassius Ono to be the three title matches for NXT TakeOver Orlando. If I had to make a prediction, that would be my that would be my prediction. Yeah, I mean, uh, and same here. It's it's got to be like I said. I mean, nonetheless, I I already you know read the spoilers for the upcoming weeks. I'm sure you did as well, Brian. I'm sure not everybody has, but uh, that seems to be the direction that they're going in. I just. Uh, I question if they're actually going to do two triple threat matches. You know, if they're going to do the triple threat tag match and a triple threat world title match. Uh, you know, I just sometimes they don't like to do uh, too many of those matches on one card. It's too much over saturation. Uh, I don't see that at all. I mean, I think that would be perfect. I think you've got to stack that card. And I like triple threat, fatal four ways. I like stuff like that. It's different than one-on-one. -on -one. It adds more intrigue, some unpredictability in there. I think it's the only way to go. And you got to get all those guys on the card somehow. So I think that they really have no choice. But, yeah, to me, those seem to be the three title matches. And like you said, for the rest of the card, it is up in the air. I mean, you don't know. I don't want to see Ty Dillinger, Eric Young again. I I'll be honest with you, I really don't. Not that it wasn't a good match. Just I want something different. Uh, Hideo Itami's been cleared to return. I would love to see him in action, but I just feel like it's too soon. Um, Alistair Black, too, or, or uh, Tommy End. I'd love to see him get involved in something major. Uh, I mean, you know, what are they waiting for with some of these guys? You know, I see on the NXT live events that Tommy End is getting matches, but why isn't he appearing on television? You know, I, I want to see more of this guy, especially after that awesome match they had with Neville at the WWE United Kingdom Championship Tournament. I mean, that was incredible. Tommy End is fantastic. I want to see him in a major storyline on NXT, and I want to see him on a match at TakeOver Orlando. Unfortunately, I just feel like there's not enough time to really develop him 
and to really give him uh, a first feud with only, you know, not so much time left until TakeOver Orlando. You know, people think it's a far ways away, but it's going to come so fast. I mean, we're already almost done with February. We're, we're like, getting through February here, and then we're going to have March, and it's at the end of March, it's April 1st, is, is you know, TakeOver Orlando. So it's going to be right around the corner before we know it. Uh, so, again, I mean, I expect Roderick Strong to have a match. But again, yeah, the rest of the card's up in the air. We'll see what Triple H whips up together. But yeah, those three title matches, if those are indeed the matches that take over Orlando, I mean, that's pretty damn solid. So I'd be really, really uh, excited for that. Yeah, in terms of Tommy Yen, I don't see it. I mean, he's yet to get any TV time. I don't see them bringing him up right away and putting himself in a big match on the TakeOver card. He's going to have to earn it. So I don't think we're going to see Tommy until after TakeOver Orlando. That's just me. He's getting a lot of house shows done with NXT. Uh, he's still trying to, uh, you know, get his get him get himself going with the new name Alistair Black. That's his new name now in NXT. I think after Takeover Orlando, when the new TV tapings come out, we're gonna see Tommy End get his feet wet and start getting going in NXT. Another question I have, uh, have though is, will we see the UK talents involved in Takeover? That's an interesting point right there because this upcoming Wednesday. Um, Tyler Bate, the United Kingdom champion, is putting the belt on the line versus Trent Seven. And when you look at the spoilers as well, Pete Dunne and Mark Andrews, two other UK talent from the tournament, are on NXT television. So with those guys taking part on NXT television, will they have a role in uh, NXT TakeOver Orlando? I know all those four guys are being booked for a progress show that Friday. But who says they can't do double duty? They can absolutely do double duty. So I'm curious to see about that. Will they add the UK talents in there? Because if they do, that would be great. You know, to see the UK belt on the line, possibly a fatal four-way match between Bate, Andrews, Dunn, and Trent Seven. Will there be a build to it? I don't know about that. Will they have these guys on NXT Weekly? That's tough to answer because these guys have booking dates with other companies right now. They're not officially... Um, with WWE, they still have some dates to to, to, um, to match with uh, other wrestling companies. But that's interesting to see these guys are taking part in NXT television. We've heard the rumors that Triple H is willing to have a collaboration with NXT talents, the 205 Live talents, and the UK talents on NXT possibly. And we're starting to see that right now with Bait versus Seven this Wednesday for the UK title. That's going to be a great match. We're also going to see Pete Dunvers, Mark Andrews pretty soon on NXT television. If you've read the spoilers, that's going to happen. So with these guys on, involved in NXT television, does that mean they're going to have a role at TakeOver Orlando? It's tough to say, but you never know. And I think if Triple H, if you want to stack up this card, you want to make this card really stand out above WrestleMania, you might as well add those talents to the show and have that belt on the line in some way, whether it's a fatal four-way, fatal five-way, whatever you want to do. Have these guys involved. If you're stuck on adding a match to take over Orlando, why not add the UK towns? Ryan, your thoughts. Do you think it's a smart move to add the UK towns to the takeover show? Yeah, I'm mean, absolutely. I mean, especially with, you know, seeing Tyler Bate appearing on NXT now, uh, you know, defending his belt against Trent Seven, you know, especially that we're seeing some of these guys on NXT television now. I think it's smart. Of course it is. I mean, I would love to see these guys get involved you know i mean ever since the uk tournament we really haven't heard much about what their future is i mean i heard there might be a uk show coming to the network but that's yet to be revealed uh, i mean so who knows what these guys are doing right now again i know tyler bates getting some time on nxt television but again i don't know what 
really the future holds but for these guys. I mean, I know they're signed, but they got to start doing something. I'm, I think fans are chomping at the bit to see more of what we saw from the U.K. tourney. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's an absolutely fantastic idea. I would absolutely love to see that. Yeah, it would make a lot of sense if, again, Triple H wants to build up this TakeOver show as pretty damn big. I mean, yeah, you already have it being big with the title matches that I put together, but why not add the UK belt? Make it more big. You know, again, it's WrestleMania weekend. Make it as big as you can. If you can add these talents onto the show with that belt on the line, it will be big. So we'll see where they go with that. I'm not sure if they're going to go that route, but if I'm Triple H, you might have to think about it. If, you ha- if you're stuck on making more matches for TakeOver Orlando, you might as well consider the UK talents to be involved in the show. So we'll see where they go with that. But looking forward to Wednesday's episode as Tyler Bate will put his UK belt on the line for the first time versus his tag team partner, his longtime longtime, uh, uh, good friend, Trent Seven. Should be a good match. Let's now go to prediction time, people. Uh, Two big events taking place uh, this weekend in uh, WWE and tonight as well, the UFC. UFC 208, it's a big event because tonight we are crowning the first ever Women's Featherweight Championship. This is the third women's division in UFC. You already have the Strawweight Division and the Bantamweight Division. Now another division's coming into play. It is the Featherweight Division, and that is a big match, a big fight tonight, but... Quick predictions for this show. Uh, we'll kick it off with the lightweight division, Dustin Poirier versus Jim Miller. Uh, I'm going to go with Poirier here. Uh, I know he's coming off a tough loss to Michael Johnson, and he's facing against one of the best lightweights in the world in Jim Miller. But to me, Poirier is a very talented individual. Ever since he's made the jump from the featherweight to the lightweight division, he's been very, very solid. So quick, pr- quick prediction here. Dustin Poirier beats Jim Miller, and that could be a way to him, for him to get a title shot against the lightweight champion. So give me Poirier to knock off Jim Miller. Yeah, I think Poirier wins too. I think this guy is absolutely insanely talented. I mean, I've seen a bunch of his fights before. I know he's coming off a loss, but that doesn't really matter. I mean, it's UFC. This is real sport right right here. So uh, it's very tough to consistently win fights, you know, the way that they do in the UFC. So, yeah, give me Dustin Poirier to knock him off as well uh, because, again, he's just a really, really talented individual. All right, next fight is in the light heavyweight division of Glover Teixeira versus Jared, I think, let me pronounce this right, Cannoneer, I think that's his name. Uh, I have no clue who Jared Cannoneer is, but I'm going to pick him no matter what. Um, I- I've heard a little bit about him, uh, not seen any one of his fights, but I'm looking at his record right now. He's 9-1. and one. He looks like a freak dude. He's nicknamed the Killer Gorilla, so if you're nicknamed the Killer Gorilla... You're dangerous, in my opinion. I mean, that's a cool nickname. So I, I know Teixeira is a very solid talent. You know, in the UFC, he's a very good fighter. He's a former light heavyweight title contender versus John Jones. But he's a little bit on the older side. Cannoneer's younger. He's much better athlete than uh, Teixeira. And I think this guy could be a, a, a surprise competitor in the light heavyweight division. So I'm going to go with an upside here. Give me Jared Cannoneer to knock off Glover Teixeira. Yeah, I'm going to go with the same thing. I, I actually read up on this guy, and I've seen a couple of things online about how this guy can really surprise a lot of people. And, you know, again, it's Glover, Teixeira, he's like, I don't even want to call him a legend, but he's been around. 
he's a veteran in the UFC. We know that. But we've been seeing the veterans kind of take a, a nosedive as of late. I mean, if anybody saw the recent fight, you know, BJ Penn against Rodriguez, BJ Penn got knocked around like un unbelievable. He got kicked around. He looked like he got bullied. You wouldn't even believe this is the BJ Penn that people have been watching in the UFC for years. Uh, so, again, a lot of these, you know, older veterans have been taking nosedives as of late. So, I think Glover Teixeira is going to be the latest one to take a nosedive as well. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the upset here. Uh, again, it, it should be interesting to see what this kid has, uh, you know, in store. Yeah, he could be a future talent to keep an eye on in the light heavyweight division. So, yeah, I pick Ken and Ear. So do you. Next matchup, middleweight contest, Jacare Souza versus Tim Bosch. Easy pick, Jacare Souza. This guy is one of the absolute most talented, dangerous fighters, not just in the middleweight division, but in the UFC period. He's a knockout artist. This guy has a complete, complete game to his arsenal. And he is one of the very best talents in UFC period. This guy's a tremendous fighter. And he's a legitimate contender for the middleweight championship. So, should be a good solid fight. Tim Boach is a seasoned veteran. But again, man, Souza's just a much better talent. So, give me Jacare to knock off Tim Boach. Oh, absolutely. 100%, man. If you have not seen Jacare Souza in action, I mean, be prepared, man. This guy is a warrior. Uh, he's... I mean, again, Tim Bosch, he's, he's also very, very good. Uh, he's also, I guess you could call him a veteran as well. He's been around for a while. He knows what he's doing. Uh, but again, Souza is just absolutely tremendous. So I'm going to go with him as well. All right. And our co-main event of the evening, another middleweight contest. We have Derek Brunson going one-on-one -on -one with one of the greatest, if not the greatest fighter in the history of the sport. Without a doubt, the greatest middleweight fighter of all time. Anderson, the Spider Silver, former middleweight champion. Is this going to be Anderson Silver's last fight? I don't know. He is starting to hit his 40s now. He has not been that healthy either. He's had some injuries in the past couple of years. Of course, the injuries against Chris Weidman. So his body might be declining on him, and we may see the end of Silver soon. Will this be his last fight? I'm not so sure, but it's definitely expected to be one of his last fights. I think he'll be uh, retiring pretty soon, but... I'm picking Silva no matter what. I mean, like you said, Ryan, it's tough to go against these young up-and-comers. You know, again, BJ Penn lost to Yair Rodriguez. We see some other veterans lose to younger talent. And Derek Brunson's a good talent. But Anderson Silva at his age is still one of the best. You know, he may have lost a couple of fights. He may be on the decline in terms of being healthy. But this guy is still a freak of nature. I've never seen a fighter as good as Anderson Silva. I've been watching the UFC for a little while. Other than George St. Pierre and John Jones, Anderson Silva to me is the greatest fighter in the history of the sport. The guy, you just he's just in, in, untouchable, all right? The, what, what this guy does in the octagon, whether it's a stand-up game, whether it's a, uh, a ground game, this guy is a tremendous talent. And he may be in his 40s, but never sleep on Anderson Silva. He may be at the age of 40, 41, but this guy is still a dangerous competitor in the octagon. So I'm going to go with Anderson Silva in one of his last fights, to knock off Derek Brunson. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's tough. Again, we're just talking about how, you know, the veterans have taken a nosedive and they really haven't been producing the way, you know, people are used to them in producing. 
But, I mean, you know, like you said, Anderson Silva is probably one of the best fighters ever. I mean, one of the best that I have ever seen. When I first started watching UFC, Anderson Silva was the guy. He was one of my favorites to watch just because of how incredibly talented he was. I just enjoyed watching him so much. And uh, he's coming off, you know, a couple of losses here and there. He lost to Michael Bisping, uh, you know, a while back. He, he just, he really has declined so much, and you can tell his body is breaking down on him and like you said who knows if he's going to retire after this uh i mean i think if he wins he should retire in my opinion i don't think he's ever going to get back to the top he's definitely not going to win the win the, the middleweight championship back again either so it's kind of a waste uh for him to even be trying again his body's declining he already proved a lot he has nothing more left to prove so i think to me if he wins he should retire but who knows that's ultimately up to him i'm gonna go with anderson silva just because you know he is the goat as they say it so uh, one of the best ever and hopefully he gets a win tonight and we'll see what he does after uh you know what his future plans are and finally in the main event we will crown a first ever ufc women's featherweight champion uh champion as former bantamweight champion holly holm Moving up uh, 10 pounds now to the featherweight division. We'll take on Jermaine Durandamy. Um, plain and simple, this is a big, big fight for Holly Holm. I mean, she made, of course, that big statement, knocking off Ronda Rousey, one of the biggest upsets in the history of UFC to become the Bantamweight champion. Her next fight, she lost the belt to Misha Tate. And then after the loss to Misha Tate, she lost another fight. She's on a two-fight losing streak. She can't afford to lose this fight. She just cannot. If she loses this fight, I mean, if I'm Holly Holm, you might just consider quitting, basically. Because, look, she went from being on the top of the women's division, the bantamweight division, knock you off the greatest ever in Ronda Rousey, to now dropping her belt to Misha Tate, losing another fight, and now she's moving up a different division, facing another tough competitor and Jermaine Durandamy. I'm picking Holly Holm. I just know her a lot more. She's a very talented fighter, but she's got to be better when it comes to thinking. She's got to be more confident in her ability. She's got to be smarter in the octagon. You know, she's taken too many chances, and she's not been herself these last two fights. She's got to win this fight. If she doesn't win this fight, I'm not so sure what the future holds for Holly Holm, but if she does win this fight, become the champion, she could be a great champion in this division for a long time she's very talented she's got all the capabilities of being a world champion she showed that in her fight with ronda rousey but ever since that moment you know she's just not been the same fighter and she has to get back to being in that same mold where she knocked off ronda rousey without a doubt the greatest women's fighter of all time so should be a good one durandamy's no talent to sleep on she's very talented but in my opinion though holly holm needs this fight and i think she's going to win this fight and become the first ever UFC women's featherweight champion. Yeah, I'm going to go with the upset. I'm going to go with Durandamy. I mean, uh, again, you know, I don't really know too much about her. I haven't really seen her fight too much. But, yeah, like you said, Brian, <laughs> Holly Holm needs this more than anybody. I mean, she's coming off a bunch of losses. And, like you said, she was basically a one-hit wonder. She was at the top and lost it right away in an embarrassing fashion, too, when she lost it to Misha Tate, when she literally had the all Four, you know, all four rounds that she had him had her beat basically, and in the last round she got choked out, very, very embarrassing, and lost to Shevchenko. I mean, she literally has not been the same ever since winning the belt. So I mean, I just don't see her really coming out and 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 being who she was when she beat Ronda. I, I just don't see it. I mean, maybe she'll surprise everybody. They're trying to, you know, get her back up to the top, giving her this opportunity to win the new belt. But I'm going to go with the upset here and another Holly Holm loss. And again, like you said, Brian, who knows what her future will be after this. 
All right, so you can catch that tonight on pay-per-view, 10 p.m. Eastern time. For the prelims, you can catch that, I believe, on Fox Sports 1. You can watch the prelims. But on pay-per-view tonight, 10 p.m., UFC 208. Let's now move on to our final predictions and previewing the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view tomorrow night. Uh, again, the final SmackDown pay-per-view uh, uh, before WrestleMania. Uh, should be a big show tomorrow night as we have a ton of big matches. We'll kick it off, though. With a announced pre-show match, Mojo Rawley versus Kurt Hawkins. I mean, I can really care less about this match. I feel bad that Kurt Hawkins has to be in the situation where he has to basically be on a pre-show match with Mojo Rawley. So quick, right to the point. Mojo wins because he's getting a bigger push than Kurt Hawkins. It's a shame because Kurt Hawkins is a good talent, but he's being more he's been uh, pushed as a jobber more than as a solid talent on SmackDown. So Mojo Rawley in a meaningless match. Knocks off Kurt Hawkins. Yeah, I mean, stupid, meaningless, pointless. Doesn't even need explanation. I could, I could even, I could throw one of these names out there, and I still wouldn't even care. Um, Mojo Rawley, like you said, has more to offer. Feel bad for Kurt Hawkins. Should have never went back to WWE. He's nothing but a jobber. Um, this is this is what he's he's there for. So I just, I don't even know what to say about this match. All right, next matchup. Two-on-one handicap match, Apollo Crews and Kalisto versus Dolph Ziggler. Again, a match that to me just does nothing. I don't like this match. It, it, to me, it's pointless. But yes, it goes with the story because Ziggler's been feuding with uh, Kalisto and Apollo Crews for the past couple of weeks. I'm going to go with Crews and Kalisto to pick up the win. I believe, though, after the match, we're going to see a lot more of the Dolph Ziggler chair shots to Crews and Kalisto. Ziggler continues to act the way he's been acting, gets a sealed chair out of frustration, out of anger, hits Crews and Kalisto. Time and time again, but for the match itself, Cruz and Kalisto win. Uh, I'm going Dolph Ziggler here. I mean, this match doesn't even deserve to be on the pay-per-view. Let's put it this way. I thought this was going to be the kickoff match. Uh, it doesn't even deserve to be on the actual show. It, it's it's that brutal to watch. I mean, I don't even know if I'm going to be sitting there watching this match. Again, no point to it. Uh, ever since Dolph Ziggler turned heel, he's been doing great things. But again, I mean, why are they giving this to him? I mean, nobody really cares about this. So uh, I think Dolph Ziggler has to win. Either way, coming out of it, he needs to look strong. Like you said, even if he does lose, he needs to be the one standing tall in the end. And I think he will. Again, after the match, I think he's going to come into the ring with the chair and knock out both Cruz and Kalisto. If they don't do that, that's a bad move on SmackDown's part. Moving on, Luke Harper versus Randy Orton. This should be a good match right here. These two guys have good chemistry together in the ring. There's a good story between these two guys, hatred between these two, because Luke thinks that Randy separating himself away from Bray, killing his family because of his involvement. But uh, should be a fun match, but another no-brainer. It's going to be Randy Orton. There's no reason to give this guy a loss. He's the number one contender for the WWE Championship. You have him win the Royal Rumble. Have this guy on the positive side week after week. I know he lost to John Cena, but he lost because of Luke Harper. Built to the story, but for this match itself, Randy has to go over, and I think he will go over in a solid match. He beats Luke Harper. Yeah, I mean, Randy's going to win. Yeah, I mean, I just don't see him losing. Like you said, he's the number one contender for the world title at WrestleMania. There's no way he's going to lose to Luke Harper like this. you got to make Randy look strong. It's unfortunate, too, because I'd love to see Luke Harper pick up the win and continue to be in contention, you know, in the major storyline. I think he still will be sticking around, but I don't know what a clean loss really does for him. Uh, it doesn't really do anything for him, actually. So, again, it's unfortunate. It's a shame. He got caught up in, a, in you know, just the wrong place at the wrong time, basically, but yeah, I mean, Randy Orton's got to win this. We all know that. All right, next matchup is one of three one of three women's matches. Um, Nikki Bella versus Natalia. Uh, it's been a good, solid feud. I mean, I've not been fond of the back-and-forth microphone work between these two girls. It just doesn't feel real to me. 
I mean, the whole story of John Cena, you know, with Natty's jealousy of John Cena and saying that Nikki Bella has turned Bret Hart away from Natalia. It's a weird storyline, but I think there's some good chemistry between these two girls in the ring. Their brawling has been very good, but their microphone work has not been the greatest, but it's been okay. As for the match itself, it's going to be Nikki Bella. I don't see Natty winning this match. Nikki Bella's going to have a big role at WrestleMania this year. She needs to win more than Natalia. So, quick match, but I'm going to go with Nikki Bella to knock off Natalia. Yeah, I mean, the build-up to this has been absolutely brutal to watch, in my opinion. I mean, especially this past Tuesday night on SmackDown, where they were basically on split screen getting asked questions and just jawing at each other. Again, like you said, Brian, it doesn't feel real. I mean, I cannot get into anything Nikki Bella tries to say when she tries to act serious. Neither is Natalia. I mean, she really tries too hard, and it's just it's brutal, absolutely brutal. But I think they could do a lot in the ring. Like you said, I think they got some good chemistry. You're right, Nikki Bella will uh, you know prevail in this. She's got big plans headed her way, WrestleMania. We all know that. Uh, again, just makes no sense to give it to Natty here and continue this storyline. I think it's going to be one and done, and this will be it. And then hopefully we don't have to see these two bicker at each other on Tuesday nights anymore. No, I'm, I'm hoping for the same thing. Uh, next matchup, tag team turmoil for the tag team belts. Basically, every single tag team from SmackDown is in this match. American Alpha will defend their belts against Heath Slater and Rhino, uh, Brizongo, the Usos, the Ascension, and the Vaude Villains. I mean, look, it's a good opportunity for these tag teams to get involved in the title scene, but this match really has no meaning. It just doesn't. It doesn't feel special. There's no story into it. It's just tag teams trying to go after the gold. But easy pick here. American Alpha is going to retain these belts, and hopefully after this match is done with, Alpha has a legitimate feud with a certain tag team. I'm still pulling for the Usos because that would be a feud that I want to see. It should be the Usos and nobody else, but I get it. They want to give each tag team an opportunity. But after this match is over, let it be Alpha versus one tag team, and that's it. No, not everybody else. One specific tag team. So Alpha will win this match, but please, SmackDown, utilize your tag team division a lot better. Because that's been – if there's one problem with SmackDown since the brand split, it's been the use of their tag team division. They've got to be better with their tag team division. I mean, all these teams have potential, but they're just not being utilized – the right way. They got to have more focus on this division. They just don't put enough focus in the tag team division. But for this Sunday, for tomorrow, Alpha return. All excuse me. Al, American Alpha retains the belts. But after this match is done, f- put more focus on the tag team division and give American Alpha a legitimate contender for their belts. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is weird. This is a match that I think deserves to be on the WrestleMania card, a tag team turmoil like this where you have all the tag teams involved. I mean, usually that would happen at a WrestleMania to try and just get everybody on the card. You know, you always want to see everybody compete on the WrestleMania card. I mean, everybody deserves it. They work hard all year long. To me, this is a match you put on that, a pre-show or something. Uh, It's weird that they're doing that on this pay-per-view instead. But again, you know, you're right, Brian. They need a legitimate tag team. To challenge American Alpha coming out of this. I mean, we all know, I think it's pretty obvious that American Alpha is going to win this. There's no other tag team. Basically, everybody looks like a joke compared to American Alpha when you look at the, the graphic picture on WWE.com. It's, it looks like a joke. The tag team division on SmackDown is an utter joke. And to me, coming out of this, they need, like you said, they need a legit feud. I would have loved to see the revival and, you know, step up to the plate. But, I mean, it doesn't look like that's the case. They're going for the tag titles in NXT again. We just mentioned that before. Doesn't look like it's the case. So the only other team is the Usos, like you said. Uh, I mean, I, I can only hope so, man. I can really only hope so because 
I'm sick and tired of seeing this. American Alpha needs some legit competition, and the Usos are the only ones I see, really, when looking at it. So, uh, American Alpha is going to win, but I think, you know, coming out of this, we need to know who the next challengers are going to be. Absolutely. Uh, let's now move on to our second women's match, Becky Lynch versus Mickey James. This is going to be a good match right here. These two girls can absolutely work. I'm going to go with Mickey James, though. She needs this win more. You, you want to give her at least a win. I mean, she hasn't won a match since she came back. I mean, she's been a part of a couple of tag team matches with Alexa Bliss. She hasn't won either one of them. And I think if they have more plans between these two girls to face each other down the road, give Mickey this win and set up another match between these two at WrestleMania. So in terms of storyline purposes, Mickey James has to win this match. And I think she's going to win this match. Setting up the rematch at WrestleMania, where I definitely believe Becky Lynch could win. Tomorrow night, Mickey James gets her first win since returning to the WWE. Yeah, of course, 100%. I mean, I don't see a point in having Becky Lynch picking up the win unless it's just some roll-up out of nowhere and really catches Mickey off guard. I mean, you can't really make Mickey James look weak here. I mean, her and Bliss are a great duo right now. They're running the division. I just don't see how you can really give her a loss in general. First match coming back, first actual match that she's going to be having. Uh, I think she needs to win, like you said. I mean, I think this is going to be a really good match. I think this, out of all three women's matches, this is the one, obviously, I'm looking forward to the most. Um, but again, yeah, Mickey James has to win this match. If she doesn't, uh, it's going to be tough to see. But uh, again, I think she'll prevail. And the other women's match is for the Women's Championship, Alexa Bliss versus Naomi. Uh, again, you know, this is a great opportunity for Naomi to showcase that she belongs at the top of the women's division. She's been a lot better since she's had that gimmick change where she's more about glowing and she comes out to that techno theme music song. Uh, she's been a better performer and she's always gifted in the ring. You know, it just comes down to how she's being booked, her character, and she's got to lock down. But she's still not there yet when it comes to being women's champion. I think maybe one day she can, she can become women's champion. But right now, it's just not the time. Alexa Bliss right now is red hot. She's the best female talent on SmackDown, period. She's getting better in the ring. Her microphone skills are top-notch. Maybe the best mic skills other than Charlotte on the main roster. She's very, very talented in that way. Should be a solid match, but right now for Naomi, it's a great opportunity for her. But not right now, it's just not the time for her to become champion. So Alexa Bliss retains. My question is, though, after this match, what's going to happen next? Are we going to see another rematch between these two girls? What's going to happen at WrestleMania? Will Becky Lynch get involved? Will Mickey James get involved? We'll see what happens. But for this Sunday, Bliss retains her championship. Yeah, I mean, I like to see how Naomi's getting involved here. I mean, I said a while ago that Naomi was so good that she deserved to become a women's champion. And I think she's capable of becoming a women's champion. But I don't know how I feel about this whole gimmick with the feel and the glow stuff. And how she comes out, like, glow in the dark and just does dancing. I don't know how, how that would really look with a women's championship around her waist. I don't think she's going to win this match. I think Alexa Bliss will retain. And then, yeah, I mean, the big question is coming out of it. Like you said, Brian, what are they going to do from here on out? I don't want to see Alexa Bliss and Naomi at WrestleMania. I want to see a fatal four-way with those with all the women in dual contract signing in a fatal four-way match at WrestleMania. I mean, it would make a ton of sense if you have a fatal four-way for the Royal Women's title with Charlotte, Bailey, Sasha, and Nia Jax. And then for this, you have Mickie James, Becky Lynch, Alexa Bliss, and Naomi. It would make a ton of sense. It would really make a ton of sense if they did, did it that way. I don't think you could just give one one lady the opportunity there. I think you know Mickey James is going to want it an opportunity at the belt sooner or later. I think she'll turn on Alexa. Uh, you know, again, Becky Lynch is going to want to jump back into the title picture. It makes sense to have a fatal four way coming out of this. I hope that's the direction they go. But Alexa Bliss and Mickey James are going to pick up wins tomorrow night, and then we'll see what happens from there. 
And finally, in the main event for the WWE Championship Elimination Chamber match, John Cena puts his belt on the line versus AJ Styles, The Miz, Dean Ambrose, Bray Wyatt, and Baron Corbin. I cannot wait for this match. It's going to be an awesome match. They have built this match for, for two weeks. You know, they had to build this match in two weeks, and I thought they did a very good job building this match up. I'm going to go with the rumors, though, Ryan. I'm picking Bray Wyatt. There's been the rumors that Bray Wyatt's going to win this belt and face Randy Orton for the championship at WrestleMania. Okay. What I don't like about it is that two weeks, John Cena holds his belt, and that's it. You know, you have him accomplish this feat at Royal Rumble. He beats AJ Styles for the belt. 16-time world champion. He's going to drop the belt two weeks later, really? To me, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. But for Bray Wyatt's sake... I'm happy for the guy. If he does win this belt tomorrow, I'll be thrilled. Because I've been on the show so many times. Bashing WWE in the way they have utilized Bray Wyatt's abilities. This guy should have been a champion a long time ago. Four years later, it will be a special moment for Bray Wyatt. In terms of storyline purposes right now, it may not make the most sense. But for Bray Wyatt's sake, great for him if he wins this match. You never know. Things could change. But I'm going to go with the rumors. I think Bray Wyatt wins this match. Who is he going to pin in the end? I don't know. I'm not. Gonna, I don't think it's going to be John Cena. I'm going to go on a bold prediction. I think he's going to pin. He's going to pin Dean Ambrose. I'm going to pick Dean Ambrose and Bray Wyatt to be the final two, and I think Bray Wyatt beats Dean Ambrose to become champion. All right, that's what I'm going to predict. And maybe John Cena at the very end. It makes the most sense for John Cena because he's the champion. But I'm going to go with Dean Ambrose. But for tomorrow night, it should be an awesome match. Looking forward to it, but in terms of who's going to win the match, I'm going to go with the rumors, and I'm going to pick Bray Wyatt to be your new WWE champion. Yeah, I mean, unless they have a major, major swerve planned for us. And honestly, there's a small part of me that's hoping there is a little swerve. Uh, I mean, I really, I would take anybody winning this belt here. I mean, out of all these guys, I don't think Dean Ambrose and, and The Miz have any shot of winning this, but I think everybody else does. Uh, again, unless they really, really pull a complete swerve on us, Bray Wyatt's winning this thing. It makes a ton of sense. It's probably the only thing that makes sense, to be honest. I mean, Randy Orton, Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania, I'm all for it. We've been waiting for Bray Wyatt to become champion for so damn long. It is finally going to happen. It finally has to happen. And I think you're right, Brian. I think he is going to pin Dean Ambrose. Um, in a perfect world, he'd pin John Cena, but I don't think that's going to be the case. I think AJ Styles or Baron Corbin is going to pin John Cena and get him out of there. I think Cena's going to get out of there a little bit early. So, like, it adds some more intrigue that, okay, we're guaranteed to see a new champion crown now. Um, but, again, I'm looking forward to it as well. It's been a while since we've seen an Elimination Chamber match like this. And uh, at high stakes, you know, the winner carries the belt into WrestleMania. So it's going to be very, very intriguing stuff. So I'm going to pick Bray Wyatt as well. Again, the only guy that really makes sense coming out of this. And what a moment it's going to be for him. Because we've been talking about how they've been booking the Wyatt family so brutally as of late. And here's our chance to actually have Bray Wyatt become the champion, and he deserves it 100%. So give me Bray Wyatt and what is going to be an awesome match. And overall, I'm looking forward to this pay-per-view tomorrow night. Yeah, it should be a good pay-per-view tomorrow night. should be a good pay-per-view tonight for you UFC MMA fans. If you guys love that, check out UFC 208 tonight on pay-per-view. Holly Holm versus Jermaine Durandamy for the first-ever UFC Women's Featherweight Championship. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Again, if you missed us live... Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. We are on there, so if you're going to want to listen to the show, you can listen to there. Again, guys, follow us on Instagram at Royal Ramble Wrestling. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Royal Ramble Wrestling. And, of course, you can follow us on Twitter as always, Royal Ramble IYR. 
for myself, B underscore Senec95, and for Ryan at Ryan underscore Martirano. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next Thursday. We're going to recap it all. Royal Rumble. Excuse me, not Royal Rumble. Uh, Elimination Chamber. Uh, some UFC talk. We'll talk about, you know, who the new UFC women's champion is. And Raw SmackDown NXT talk. So it should be a busy, busy episode next week, Thursday, 4 p.m. It's your radio. So thank you for tuning in. I'm Brian Sendek. He's Ryan Martirano. This has been the Royal Rumble Podcast. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you next Thursday. You've just You've just, just listened to an I, 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 I,